morning here on the bat around. I am Zach Goodman without Paul Valley at the current moment. As you can see, if you're in the Baltimore area, uh, there's been a lot of storms, been a lot of rain these past few days, and Paul unfortunately uh, ran into a closed road. I think it was Cromwell Bridge. Um, so it's just me for the moment. So Paul should show up here in, you know, 10, 10 or so minutes, hopefully, and we'll get the show underway. Uh, but for now, Let's talk a little Orioles to get this show started. So the Orioles were postponed last night, as I just talked about. Been a lot of rain, not not a really good weather week. Uh, but the Orioles coming in to last night's game before it was uh, unfortunately postponed. Now there's going to be a doubleheader Sunday. But before it was unfortunately postponed, the Orioles have been playing some better baseball, obviously on a two-game win streak at the moment. We're able to take a 9-4 to win against Minnesota on May 4th and a 5-3 to win against Minnesota again on May 5th. So the Orioles, you know, obviously we know they're not going to be a contender this year. We know they're not going to be competing, but the Orioles have been playing some better baseball and some really respectable baseball, I think is the, is the, the best word for it. Um, they won 9-5 to against Boston on, on last Sunday. Um, you know, obviously a, a 2-1 loss against Minnesota in the, the opener in the series on Monday. They're playing close games, and they seem to be playing baseball that's actually... I wouldn't say it's on brand for them. It's different from what they've done in the past few years. We talk so much about this team trying to take a step forward in 2022. And I'm not going to come out here and say that this team is so much drastically better than what it was in, in 2021. But you see these, these changes that have taken place in just the past few games. And really, since the start of the season... And just the fact that they're playing closer games. And that obviously is a lot to do with the pitching and how, uh, how stellar it's been. And that's missing John Means. The, the best pitcher on the staff is not even here. He had Tommy Johnny's out for the year. But you've got guys like Jordan Lyles. You've got guys in the bullpen like Jorge Lopez. You've got guys like Kyle Bradish now who made his, his major league debut and has come up and looked pretty decent in two starts. You know, he's given up a few earned runs, but overall he's pitched okay. Of course, Bruce Zimmerman has pitched well, the, the, the Baltimore product, who's actually you know probably the ace of the staff right now. You look up and down at this Orioles roster and what they've done and all the close games they've played, and you're starting to see that they're playing some better baseball and a better brand of baseball. Now, we've talked a lot about on the show about the fact that the Orioles haven't been hitting, and that's something we, we really expected, I think, coming into the season was the Orioles to really come out and hit because the lineup is not all that bad. I mean, you, you look at the names in it, and of course there's not going to be a lot of, of star names. There's no Manny Machados or Mike Trouts in this team, but you look at guys like Ryan Malkowski. You look at guys like Cedric Mullins. Austin Hayes took a step forward last year and was a two-and-a-half war player. And you thought coming into the season that they'd be respectable, at least, as far as the bats go. But, you know, to start off the season, they were pretty cold. They weren't hitting with the in scoring position. At one point, they were like seven for 80. They've turned it around now, not to a, a huge degree, but in the past few days at least, um, they've scored 14 runs and seven home runs, uh, with seven home runs in the past two games, which, you know, is is a big turnaround from what they, they started with at the beginning of the year. They started wearing the home run chain, if you've seen that. Obviously, that's become a pretty big thing. I, I believe they stole it off a fan. I could be wrong in that. Uh, but the home run chain has clearly helped them turn things around, maybe get a little mojo going in that locker room. And look, it's exciting. The, the Orioles are hitting the ball with much more success at a higher rate than they were to begin the season. Austin Hayes, he's breaking out, finally becoming that guy that we knew as a prospect, that five-tool player, that guy who frankly does everything well in the field. Not only the arm is, is an 80-grade arm, but it's also 
uh, the, the you know the bats come alive in recent years. He's hit some home runs. I think 22 last year. He's already got three this year. He climbed the monster in left field a, a few days ago. The, the the wall in Camden Yards, not the monster, I should call it. Uh, but Paul Valley's here, by the way, guys. Welcome, Paul Valley, to the show. Yeah, uh, today's show brought to you by Cromwell Bridge Road. Man, people <laughs> late for work since 1963. Either. Either you're behind somebody doing five miles an hour yeah. under the speed limit, oh, or yeah. there's a telephone wire down. I should have just used Waze, and it would have told me mm. there was a, there was a stoppage in the road, and I could have gotten, uh, it, or maybe nobody would have updated. Who knows? Either way, I'm here now. Heard you. I was listening to the show, and I heard you talking Perfect. about the pitching. You're talking about Austin Hayes, and yeah, man, the bats are coming coming alive. They didn't steal the home run chain from a fan. I, I, that's what he, I read. He lent it to them. Oh, he there, lent it to them. Was, okay, there was okay. a video on um, on Twitter, and it was, it was from Orioles Mass Mass and Orioles, uh, talking about how, and it was and it was the guy, the guy who lent him the chain. He okay. said, I bought the chain. I was wearing it. I told, uh, I gave it to Anthony Sanders, the first base coach, Anthony Sanders' son, okay. who gave it to the Orioles, and then they started mashing home runs and said, you know what, just keep it. I've got three or four more anyway, because he had bought three or four, so yeah. he's in a good spot. The Orioles are now in a good spot. Look, it, it's it's been great to see them hitting some home runs, even though the five home runs on, on Thursday night were solo shots. It's still five home runs. They've got seven sure. in the last two games, and we're, we're happy to see them finally start swinging the bat a little bit, Yeah, but... We've seen this before. Well, right? this was the reason. I think this was the reasonable expectation with this team that they would hit the ball well. We looked at the pitching staff, we looked at the lineup, and we said the lineup's going to be far better. That's what we concluded before the season. And, you know, throughout the first few games, that was not even close to being true. I mean, the pitching has far exceeded the lineup and what they've done in production. But this, I think, what we're seeing now, and maybe not five home runs in a single game, but what we're see- starting to see now is a lot more reminiscent of, I think, what we expected to see because you do have quality bats in this lineup. And there's guys like Jorge Mateo who are really unsung heroes of this team who maybe not a lot of people know around the country and uh, around the league, but a guy who comes out, hits triples, hit, hit, him, hit a home run the other night, a pretty massive shot into the bullpen. There's guys like this on this team. Tomahawked it too. Right, exactly. It, it, th- there are guys like this on this team that can do damage, and we expected them to do damage, and now they finally are. Well, yeah, and, and it's definitely better to see than um, than um, what we've been seeing in the, in the, in the past this year. Look, their offense still over the course of the season, hasn't put up the numbers that you'd expect. They are yeah. getting a little bit better. They've been pitching, they've been playing really good pitching staffs. You yes. look at the fact that they that they squared off against Tampa Bay and Milwaukee the first two series of the right. year, and those are two of the best right. pitching staffs in baseball. I don't know, I can't explain to you what the hell happened out in Oakland, but the Yankees, <laughs> the Yankees can pitch a little bit. Nestor Cortez, sure. j- just out of this world, apparently this year, they get, although they didn't face off against Garrett Cole. Um, and, and then you saw what happened when they faced teams that didn't have a great pitching staff, like the Boston Red Sox, who are now uh, in last place in the AL East yeah. at, at 10 and 17. And they took two or three from them because they don't have great pitching. They go up against Minnesota, right. the two best pitching staffs, uh, the, uh, arguably the best pitching staff in the American League to date. And they lose the first two games, but then they go up against guys who are kind of reclamation products in, sure. in, in Dylan Bundy, who is known to give up the long ball. We know that all too well here. And going up against Chris Archer, whose best seasons are probably five, six years ago. And sure enough, they hit him around. Uh, that's what this team yep. is going to do to get against these middling to subpar pitchers. Right. Not, and that's not to say that Dylan Bundy and Chris Archer are subpar, but there's a reason uh. they've, been, they, they've been that they've been traded a, a bunch. They, they they have the talent, yeah. but they also have the propensity for the long ball. Right. Um, what we need to see from this team is consistency, and it's a team that they'll score nine runs one day, and then they'll go out and score one run the next. 
They need they need to consistently be scoring four, five, six runs a game. Now, six runs a game, you're elite. I don't think that this team is elite. But you brought up Austin Hayes, and Austin Hayes right now, and I said it last week about so I can't remember who I said it about, but I said that dude's a dude, mm-hmm. right? This guy in 2017, he put together a monster season. Oh, he yeah. over, hit over 300, yeah. over 30 homers, close to 100 RBIs. Was a finalist for one of the five for the uh, minor league player of the year in all of minor league baseball that year. Injuries and in, and ineffectiveness have kind of hampered him, but we saw him come on the second half of last year, especially in September when he hit seven or eight home runs, and we we're seeing kind of a glimpse of what this guy can be. And this year. After a really slow start the first week or so uh-huh. and kind of hitting into some bad luck, yeah. he is off and running. He's got the best batting average on the team. He's got he, he's hitting for power. Best OPS he's, on the he, team. As best well. OPS on the team. He's driving in runs. He's playing great defense. This is the player that we saw in 2017. This is the this is the guy, the first guy from the 2016 draft class to make it to the big leagues. Right, right. And we're seeing yeah. it now that this is who he is. And look, man. We talk about the the depth of outfielders in this Orioles system, and Austin Hayes is having a say in, hey, don't forget about me. Because we've all kind of assumed... I even saw somebody say, I think he'll be our fourth outfielder in the future. No. Austin Hayes is proving... Now, look, you want to see him take more pitches. You want to see him get on base more. Sure. But, look, there's another guy who who was a great outfielder here who didn't get on base a lot, and that was Adam Jones. Sure. uh, Who still hit... His share of home runs, played great defense, still hit for a high average, just didn't walk a ton. Some players are just like that. Ryan Mountcastle is another guy sure. in the lineup like that. So it's definitely something that we're that, that we're happy to see. Uh, you mentioned Jorge Mateo. We're going to talk about him in Orioles banter because he's a really intriguing player. That, yes. that I get more excited watching him the more I watch him. But look... This offense has been putting up numbers the last couple of games. It's all about continuing to do it and getting sure. that consistency. Yeah, you mentioned w- with Hayes, just the the fact that injuries have kind of slowed him down and, and not given him really the opportunity to have this breakout. But let's not forget, the guy was a two-and-a-half four player last year. And if you're saying he's going to be a fourth outfielder, I, I want you to simply look at that number and the 22 home runs he hit last year. In 130 games. Right, in 130 games. Really? Four, fourth outfielder? That's uh, two and a half four players aren't fourth outfielders. Those are, the, I mean, I, I, maybe on the Dodgers, you're a fringe starter because the Dodgers are stacked to, you know, to the gills. But on the Orioles, that is a starter every day of the year for now. And if the Orioles want to trade him, if that's the route they decide to go, fine. But there's no way this guy's a fourth outfielder. That, no, there's and, just no and, way. and look, this was just a fan who was giving their opinion. And, and uh, well, opinion, it's, it's, you know, uh, it's opinions are, 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 like, are like elbows. Just about <laughs> everybody has one. Yes. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's. You take it with a grain of salt. This sure. wasn't a guy with a blue check mark next to his name or anything like that. But just the fact that people have that in their mind, and it's like, whoa, 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 wait a second, let's pump the brakes here. And meanwhile, yeah. you look down in the minor leagues, and there's not really an outfielder down there right now. We we have these guys who we like, who we think are going to be players, but there's not really an outfielder down there right now that's tearing it up. Robert Newstrom might no. be having the best year, yeah. Uh, but Stowers is hitting two thirty three. Yeah. You know, uh, Colton Cowser is hitting about two forty yeah. down at at high A, and he's at high A. He's still got a couple of years till he's going to get here, uh, maybe another year or so. So, and I believe all, they'll all figure it out. Yeah, but it's just, I, I want to know what you think about them putting Anthony Santander at, ba- at first base. They've been they've been hitting yeah. the ground balls there. I, I don't. I'm not sure why because you've got Mountcastle, you've got Mancini. The only thing I can think of mm-hmm. is they're preparing for a trade of Mancini. Or a trade of Santander and trying to uh, trying to up his value, but the thing yeah. is, Santander is having a better year, and if he can, uh, maybe they're saying if he can play first base, it makes it easier to trade Mancini because you can have Mountcastle play first base, you can have Santander DH, you can have Santander play first base, Mountcastle DH, and then we can bring up another one of these outfielders, and maybe that's how they're making room. But right now, 
I haven't seen you've seen him hit take a few r- routine ground balls in practice. Sure. If, I don't know if he, has he ever played first base in his life. Not that I know of. I, I do know that the Orioles front office loves versatility. They mm-hmm. love guys that can play the infield and the outfield. You see Jordan Westberg getting a few starts, you know, out, out in the outfield this year in the minors. You seen really? I didn't. I he, didn't know that he actually did. Yeah, and he, he did in spring training a little bit too. Um, and you you see guys like this getting moved around a little bit, and that's kind of what the Orioles want. They want versatility. Taron Vavra is a great example of a guy they've moved around a lot. Uh, Ryan McKenna played a little bit of second base in uh, in spring training. So you look at that and. And I think that's kind of the road they're going down. But with Mancini, I, I we we know he's out the door at some point this year. I think that's the general expectation. Yeah. So with him kind of being the almost the guaranteed trade, and we don't really know the status of Santander as far as a trade would go, I would say it's more to prepare for a Mancini trade to have someone to be able to back Mountcastle up at first base. Right. That would and, be my guess. And, and but for all we know, two weeks from now they'd be like, "Oh, Anthony Santander is on the trading block. He's also a first baseman." I, by I the could way. see it. I, I just. You know that that they're doing it to to find a way to move somebody. If not, exactly. if not both of them. If not both, because uh, otherwise, yeah. why are you doing it? I, 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 you know, we we've talked a lot about Santander and the value that he has. And last year, the value went way down. We know from the from the previous offseason, it was pretty high, and then it went down during the season because he didn't play well and he was injured for half the year. This year. Santander is off to one of his better starts. He's only hitting like 250 at the moment, but he's off to a better he's, start. The he's power numbers are there. Got the seventh highest. Um, on base percentage yeah, in the American right. League, second walking most, a ton, second most walks. Yeah, and they they did this thing, they did this thing, and I think they started doing it Ryan, with Ryan Mountcastle too to make their pay, their their players more patient with mm-hmm. a medicine ball. Okay. And if the ball hits the medicine ball, it's a strike. And if it doesn't, it's a ball. And it, and apparently that's what helped Anthony Santander start taking more walks. And we saw him start to take more walks last spring. Yeah. And then that completely fell by the wayside once the season started. <laughs> he had a million of them last spring. Yeah. And then he comes out and he walked like seven times in like the <laughs> the yeah. first like three months of the season. We were like, ah, there he is. Right. But but he he's getting on base a ton now, so it's a guy that you can put in the top half of your lineup. So that sure. that's nice to see. It's just you wonder what their plan is uh, for the future with Santander, especially since they're trying to be first base. I don't think that it's because they want better defense there because if he's never no. played there no you know what I mean but the guy's an athlete he's been playing a hell of a right field right um I mean I'll say his body looks like a first baseman there's yeah. no doubt about it the guy has the length and the the body type to play that position I I think his body type could even play third base uh just based on what I've seen from him but I, I have no idea how he fared that's a whole different ball game than he's first got base. the arm he he's does got, have the he's arm, got the arm but right. th- does he have the the defensive instincts and, and, and big the, question the quick, the quick twitch reaction yeah. to play the hot corner but why not try him out I mean it, 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 at, they are at, I mean, at but, first base especially not third base again that's a whole different story but it, versatility is nice. That's not a bad thing at all. Absolutely. Now, moving on a little bit, Minnesota fans were losing their freaking minds <laughs> about the fact that Carlos Correa got hit by a pitch, as if Carlos Correa didn't swing into getting hit by the pitch. Correct. Look, the x-rays came back negative. He doesn't have a broken finger. He's avoiding the, the IL. It's going to be a day-to-day thing for him. So let's, let's pump the Jets there. Uh, and it was an 80-mile-an-hour breaking ball right. that came in. He swung at it. If he didn't swing at it, he doesn't right. get hit. By, and if he Or he gets hit in the arm. If, if someone's throwing at you, they're going to throw 95 at your, at your shoulders. We, we saw it. Right? Like, <laughs> we saw it in the ninth inning with a runner on, th- or in the, uh, in the eighth inning mm-hmm. with Cedric Mullins up and a runner on third base with two outs. They're not, he's already got a double and a home run in the game. Yeah. They hit him first pitch. Yeah. Durant, who, who's been fantastic, mm-hmm. hits him first pitch. Gio, wonder what was happening there. Orioles have hit a couple of other guys. They hit their best, they hit their best player, even though he swung at the damn pitch. He got out on the pitch, by yeah. the way. Um, 
that's an intent. That, that's an intent to hit the guy. And both sides knew what happened. Sure. Nobody came out about it. There were no warnings. It was, this is the game. Uh, whether you like it or not, this is what happens in the game of baseball. That was There was intent there. The pitch to Carlos Correa, no intent. It was just a young guy who let a breaking ball get away from him. Bad swing. And, and that's and that's that's all there is. So I just want I just want to squash that. Now I also saw somebody commented on a Glenn show the other day on Twitter, and they said um, the Orioles have lost this town to the Ravens. And look, if you want to say that the Ravens are more popular right now because the Orioles have been so bad, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. The Orioles have not lost this town. You watch. As soon as this team gets good again, as soon as this team gets more competitive, you watch. You watch how filled that stadium is going to be. Sure. We are already hearing people buzz about this team. Uh, I, I, for example, I ran into Steve Molesky last night. Mm-hmm. Ran into Steve Molesky. We'd never met him in person. I introduced myself. He's doing well. The, the, the health scare is behind him. He, he, he's doing much better now. And one of the first things he said to me was, this is a fun team. This is a fun team. Now, you look at this team, they're 10-16. Mm-hmm. At this point last year, they were 12-14. and 14. Now, they had given up six runs or more in a game eight times at this point last year. This year, they've only done it five times. A, a difference of three games, but it's a difference in 20% and 33% of your games. R- regardless of what the record shows, it's a far better team. Yeah, they're, It's a far better team. They're, they're, they're much more competitive. Yeah. They are in, there's only been like two games where they just weren't in it. Right. Exactly. And, and last year, totally different story. Even with those 14 losses, I mean, you, you look at a lot more of your five, six-run losses than right now where it's more of one- and two-run losses. There was and a game that, that the Orioles scored nine runs last year in, in, in the first 26 games. Mm-hmm. They scored nine runs, and they lost 14-9. to nine. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that was a game they gave up like six home runs to the Red Sox. And that's been all too common yeah. throughout the rebuild. And now you're seeing this, <coughs> and maybe it's because of the pitch. Well, I, I think it's, it's largely because of the pitching, mm-hmm. but... The, it's more of these one and two run losses, which I think is such a difference, and it's so refreshing to see. I want to see this team lose by one run. That's fine one, with me. One of the things I said back in 2019 is you, you can't judge this team based on wins and losses because they're going to lose a lot of games. Right. And sure enough, they did. They lost 108 that year, and then yeah. 110 two years later, and 115 <laughs> the year before that. Yeah, It's how many one and two run games are they playing in, and yes. that year, not a lot. The last couple years, not a lot. This year, it's a lot of one, two, three-run games. Exactly. More one- and two-run games than three-run games. It, right. It's it's a different brand of baseball. And and it feels and, different. And what, and what I said to you all last year, you can't bring Adley Rutschman up and expose no. him to this brand of baseball. Now I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, you're bringing Adley Rutschman up. And you're, this, and, and, yeah. And, and, and you're replacing a catcher that's hitting about 130 yeah. right now, and Rutschman's going to be added to the top half of the lineup. Maybe he bats sixth, but this is a guy that's going to... So not, you're taking away... You're, everybody moves down a slot, basically, from, from five down. Everybody moves down a slot, and now sure. your eight hitter isn't... Or your seven hitter isn't Robinson Chirinos, who's hitting 130 and has no home runs. It's Julio... Uh, Julio, well. It's Ramona Rios, who has been squaring the ball up really nicely. Higher hard hit rate, lower strikeout rate, but the numbers just aren't there uh, than, than he had last year. And that's your number eight hitter now. And Jorge Mateo is still hitting nine. This right. lineup gets that much better just by adding Rutschman. And like I said, you can't expose him to that bad brand of baseball. This is a brand of baseball that you can expose yes. a young player to. Yes. Because they're going to be like, you know what? We're not that far. We're not that far. I'm starting to, I don't want to jump the gun here, but I'm starting to get these feelings just from the pitching 
uh, alone. I mean, it, it's just taken such a drastic jump. It's such a massive difference from the previous years, and it's starting to make me feel like maybe they're not all that far. I mean, they're they're still far. Don't get me wrong. They're still going to. Yeah, I'm not saying they're going to win the World Series in 2023, guys. I'm saying that they are getting closer to their competitive window. They're inching closer. And Adley Rushman doesn't inch you closer. He takes you like a mile closer because he's yeah. a game changer. Right. And then. Then you think about the fact that Grayson Rodriguez is not far away either. He's not far behind Rutschman. No, no. And Rutschman, he's up in Norfolk. He, he, well, he got moved to Norfolk on Friday mm-hmm. along with D.L. Hall. With Rutschman, it's because, look, they're getting washed out basically all weekend yeah. in Bowie. Uh, Norfolk's playing down in Nashville. The weather's going to be much better. He's going to get an opportunity sure. to play every day. He, he, he played last night, hit by a pitch, and a, a, and a base hit last night, and a run scored. You look at that, and he, uh, that makes sense. He's still <clears throat> on track. To be here on Monday the 16th. That's, I can almost guarantee that's when he's going to debut. Is against the Yankees on Monday the 16th. Is that the home opener of the, of the, of the, home the homestand? Stand. Okay. Of the homestand. Then you look at D.L. Hall. And D.L. Hall didn't get moved because of the weather. Mm-hmm. Because D.L. Hall isn't supposed to pitch again until Wednesday. Yeah. They didn't look at the weather and say, oh, we need him to be... He, he can throw a bullpen indoors. Okay. D.L. Hall got moved to Norfolk because... He's he, ready. He, his stuff is major league ready. Sure. Now it's about building up the innings. Right. And when Grayson gets here, those innings now go to DL Hall. And speaking of Grayson, well, we'll get to Grayson in a second. DL Hall. Now you sit here and you have to wonder how far away is he? Not because when, not when, in talking to Rich Dubroff last week, I said I don't expect him to be here till late July, early August. Now I'm looking at it and the fact that look, he got seven starts at Bowie last year, and he started at Bowie while Grayson started at High A. So they thought that he was ahead of Grayson, right? Right. So now, eight starts in his career at Bowie, and he's up at Norfolk. Mm-hmm. How many starts is he going to need at Norfolk before they say, all right, it's time to get to the big leagues? Seven? Eight? I, I was thinking more like five or six. Um, so so we're looking mid to late June that we could see D.L. Hall here. Now I'm going to move to Grayson Rodriguez. Who's the most susceptible pitcher in the Orioles rotation? Whew, that's a good question. Um... I mean, it's got to be Spencer Watkins, I guess, but he hasn't been pitching that terrible. He was not good the other night. He wasn't good. He look, wasn't he, good. Look, he, he, he gave up. He gave up that double where, where if Hayes doesn't throw the guy out uh, at home plate with an incredible, a Yoannis Suspense no, type, type of throw. throw. Um, if he doesn't throw the guy out at home plate, that's another run. Uh, Santander makes that leaping catch in right field. If he doesn't make that catch, that's another run. You're right. right? You're right. You're right. So he he got hit hard and. There's only so much that Spencer Watkins can do before oh, the league figures him out. He Spencer Watkins is not a good pitcher. Let's be uh, honest. I, I don't, look, 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 I'm not. I, I'm not going to go that. I'm not going to disparage mm. the man. I don't think he's an every. I don't think he's an every fifth day starter at the big league level. But can he be a swing man who can get you three to six outs, uh, or, or maybe he can get through a lineup once? Because when he started giving up those runs, I was his third time through the order. Yeah. Can he get you through a, a lineup once? Well, and, I, and, and, and 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 I can see that as a swing man. And my my point here is. That Monday that Adley Rushman comes up, mm-hmm. that's a Spencer Watkins date in the rotation. Okay. How awesome would it be? And I was talking to a friend about this. It would be a playoff-like atmosphere in Baltimore if you call up Grayson Rodriguez huh. and Adley Rutschman on the same day with They're- Grayson to make that start against the Yankees in Baltimore. That's going to be the most exciting game that we've had in Baltimore oh. since... Th- since what the the 2014 playoffs? Yeah, I would say it, it so. would be it would be I the would most exciting so. other than the opening day, and even then, that's not really exciting. Other than the fact that it's the start sure. of the year, it would be the most 
hyped, anticipated atmosphere for a baseball game that you can imagine. Oh, yeah. I'm not oh, putting yeah. it past the Orioles to have that in their plans. Look, I, I think Grayson, <laughs> I mean, he he has a 415 ERA through five starts. Obviously got lit up in his, in his most uh, recent start. Uh, I think he had five earned, something like that. that well, happens. It wasn't great. It happens all the time. It's not a big deal. And the start before that, when he gave up three runs, the mm-hmm. defense, there were no errors charged, but there was bad defense Bad defense, sure. Him. Plus, he had to sit through an hour and 20-minute rain delay, but continue. Yeah, I mean, that. my point wasn't to say he's pitching bad. I think Grayson Rodriguez is pitching well above average. And... The, the question for Michael Elias has to be, how much more do I actually have to see before I promote this guy? And for me, there's not much left to prove. I think Grayson Rodriguez has proved just about everything. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the stuff's there. The command's there. He's shown he can get major league hitters out because there are a lot of them at AAA. So at that point, what do you have left to prove? What's the, what's the point? He's, you know, he's 22 years old. I get it. He's a little on the younger side. But... There's nothing left to prove there. The guy is going to be the ace of your rotation. I shouldn't say that because Bruce Zimmerman's been unbelievable. But he might be the number two in your rotation at the moment. And there's really nothing to lose by uh, by exposing him to this brand of baseball at this point because it's been so much better. Yeah, no, a- absolutely. And then if you're thinking about what this rotation looks like five, six weeks from now, when you've got Bruce Zimmerman, Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall... Uh, Kyle Bradish and Tyler Wells. That's a rotation that I, that makes me want to watch a, the game every single. Now look, I watch the game every single day anyway, but it makes me anticipate the game every single day because I see a guy out there that I think has future potential for this rotation, and that's that's just super exciting for me, and it should be super exciting for Baltimore. This is a season of of just anticipation, excitement, seeing these prospects, all the evaluation, no doubt. Um, and look, I, I've been as hard on Brandon Hyde as anybody. Uh, this this season in particular, but I think he's doing a great job right now. Yeah, I, I think, think he's he do, is. I think he's doing a great job right now, and he's 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 actually I think he's done great work in the bullpen. I think the bull, uh, I, I was going to say the pitching decisions are where he really has changed for me. Yeah, and and, and look, it, this is this is what we were hoping to see, and maybe it's been a little bit better. But look again. They were 12 and 14 at this point last year. They were 15 and 16 after the John Means no hitter, and then they completely fell off the face of the planet. Yep. So we have to. Be, we can be excited. They're playing a nice, like I said, a nice brand of baseball. We can be excited, but we have to temper those expectations and say, you know what, we've been here before. Let's get two, three months into the season before we start believing that this team sure. is is better than it is. With that in mind, on the line with us right now, uh, he is the proprietor of this show. He is Stan the Fan Charles, and he's live with us here on the Bat Around. Good morning, Stan. How are you? I'm merely a guest on the show now. You're the proprietor of the show. Uh, I guess you could say that, but I answer to you, good sir, and with great pleasure. So I certainly appreciate you. Stan, does this season feel different to you? Last year, they had a better record, but the team was kind of smoke and mirrors. This year, this team plays hard. Not that they didn't play hard last year, but they play hard every single day. They're gritty. They pull out wins um, when when you wouldn't expect it. And honestly, they've been in just about every game. Is there a different vibe to this team this year? There's no doubt there is. Uh, it all stems from the pitching. You know, it all starts with that. You know, the, the pitching staffs that the Orioles have had in the Elias years of 19, 20, and 21 have been just so god-awful. You know, it was nice to have uh, sprinkled in some good performances by John Means. Of course, the no-hitter was, uh, you know, really exciting and uh, sort of showed what he could be when he's healthy. Uh, and that's something we don't really see that often. But to, to me, the starting pitching has been uh, really turned up 
a notch or two, and then that bullpen has just been a, a different animal, you know. Yeah, and that, I wouldn't have thought, and I wouldn't have thought when they traded Sulcer and Scott, um, you know, I was not down in spring training this year, didn't see that much of the, the action. Um, we saw a couple games on TV, didn't really know what Batista was going to be like, uh, didn't know what Perez was going to be like, and certainly didn't know what uh, Jorge Lopez would be when he would be fully unleashed and embracing this new role. Jorge Lopez has been an absolute revelation in that bullpen. You go out there, and the stuff that he has is just... When he only has to get three guys out, his stuff is absolutely filthy. And what yep. he's doing, He looks like a completely different guy to me, Stan. No question about it. But I think, the uh, again, the bigger change to me with him is that he's embraced the role. You know, you saw you saw a, ta- a touch of it last year, the second half of the season, when they started experimenting with it. But this year, um, just what you said is true. And when he only has to get a hitter out one time, he's been a revelation. He really has been. Yeah, and you mentioned Felix Bautista, and with him, it was you knew the stuff was there. The guy hits 100 miles an hour with his fastball. It was just a matter of control, and so far this year, he's had some blips, but he's been really consistently good for the Orioles to this point, as has CNL Perez, who still hasn't given up a run this season. Yeah. So, I mean, so, the, so when you talk about is there a different field of the team, when you're in ball games. Then it becomes: Are you doing the little things? You know, like turning the double play. Are you are you getting an extra base here or there? You know, um, I mean, the other night they, they they against the Twins, the throw by Hayes was remarkable in a game that they you know they win with five solo home runs, but uh, end up cutting off a run at the plate on that play. And then they turned the bad throw by, I think it was Urias made the bad throw to Mountcastle, but they ended up tossing out a base runner from, you know, Mountcastle didn't give up on it and uh, threw a guy out at the plate. And then I, I mean, without those two plays, you, you may not win the game. But it all starts again that the pitching is keeping them in game. Oh, a- absolutely, and uh, some of the guys who are behind that are Tyler Wells uh, and Kyle Bradish. Uh, look, Kyle Bradish, he kind of got – he pitched really well the first three innings, and then he had his first time where he had to sit for an extended period while the Orioles put up a sixth spot there in the bottom of the third inning, and he came out in the fourth, and it looked like he was – it looked like he was pitching not to lose rather than pitching to win, uh, and it was one of those situations where, you know, people probably tell him, all you got to do is go out there and throw strikes and pitch to contact. Well, then he gives up that monster home run to, to uh, what was it? Was it Correa? Yeah, he gives up the monster home run to Correa, and then the wheels kind of fell off. To me, this is a good test for Kyle Bradish because it's going to show his tenacity. It's going to show his mental state. If he can have something like this and come back and bounce back, what are you seeing from Kyle Bradish, and do you think it's good for both he and Grayson Rodriguez who experienced something similar with that rain delay start a couple of, a couple of weeks ago? Is it good for them to, to have these kind of struggles so they can know what they need to do to bounce back? Well, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I don't quite know how to answer that. Is it good to have struggles? I mean, yeah, we're going to find out about Kyle Bradish. There's no question about it. I, I don't know exactly when the the uh, debut will be of, of Grayson Rodriguez, whether it's going to be pegged, you know, to uh, the uh, advancement, uh, you know, the recall of uh, Adlai Rutschman. 
that's clearly coming pretty soon. Yeah. I would think the, um, the Rodriguez thing would probably be about three weeks to a month behind that. I mean, I could be wrong. They may want to really expedite this thing, but I think, uh, I don't think there's anything great to be gained by, uh, by not having him fill out a few more starts down there. Well, what that's I w- my, that's my take on it. Now, Bradish, you know, look, he's, he's looked good to me. Uh, that was a, sort of a brain fart. I think yeah. he tuned out, you know, um, he hadn't pitched in the major leagues with a six run lead before. So it's yeah. a whole different ball game. There. It, it is. You got to stay, you got to stay intense. It's a different mentality. You've got to go out there and pitch like it's nothing, nothing. Something that the great pitchers in this game are able to do. And he's a young guy. It's just his second major league start. You didn't expect a Clay Buckholtz no hitter, you know, in, in his second major league start. But uh, I've well, liked what I've seen from him so far. Yeah, I do too. Look, it's a, it's not apples to apples, but what happened in that game the other night with the Mets and the Phillies, mm-hmm. it was really interesting. I keep, you know, I talk about my baseball uh, power rankings. So I generally, I mean, I have I have my rankings in in what position the teams are in, and then next to them are seven rows of games on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. and I have who they're playing, whether it's a home game or not, and I put a W and an L in there. And I'm usually pretty darn careful not to start putting them in in the fifth inning or sixth <laughs> inning, you know, when you got a lead. The ninth inning, 7-1, to one, I put I put in a W for the Phillies and an L for the Mets. And it was a classic case of sort of thinking you have a game one and somebody experiences Joe Girardi can fall into the same thing mentally as a manager that Kyle Bradish did. He had a six-run lead. He said, well, why waste my best relief pitcher? I'll put in this guy that needs some innings and all. So he put in this guy, Norwood, who had like an eight-earn run average. And I, I blinked, and all of a sudden it was seven to four, and then, and there were like no outs. And all of a sudden, now he brings in Corey Knable, who's mentally shut out because it's shut down because I wasn't needed tonight. And now you hurry him up, probably warmed up faster than he normally does. And he's got nothing because there's mm-hmm. no adrenaline going, you know. So I'm kind of comparing that to what happened to Kyle Bradish, that Kyle sort of thought he had the game won and shut down. Yeah, and, and and that's what and that's what I was kind of talking about. What I was alluding to when I said, "Is it good to see them have the struggles?" Because it probably changes the mindset. It, it, it makes you realize this is the major leagues, and nothing is guaranteed here. You can be up six nothing in the right. eighth inning. You can be up seven one in the ninth and not win a ball game. So you got to go out there and you got to have that bulldog mentality. And that's what I was alluding to yeah. uh, with yeah. with the struggles and why it would be good to see. Uh, obviously, you want them to have better results every time out. Yep. Now, uh, Tyler Wells has certainly been having better results his last two times out. He's gone five innings in each of his last two outings. The last outing, he was only planning to go three, maybe four innings, but then he gets six outs on 13 pitches, and Brandon Hyde has, has no choice but to leave him out there through five innings. Is he becoming a formidable option in this rotation, and how long do you expect the piggyback situation to continue with Tyler Wells? Well, I would think the piggyback situation, as long as um, I think you don't want to mess with a good thing right, right now with him. I think it, it's wise, given his injury history and 
the combination of the pandemic season and, and the ramp up last year. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of innings under his belt to, to suddenly say, boy, we, we can really uh, do away with this piggyback thing. And suddenly you're talking about trying to turn him into a 150-inning guy this year. Um, I, I don't think it makes much sense. I'd like to see him get 110, 120 good innings in rather than worrying about pressing more innings in this year. Yeah, you know, I, 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 He's no. a big kid. He's a big kid, and if they bring him along correctly next year, he could be on pace to be a 180-inning pitcher guy if he pitches 120, 125 innings this year. Can you imagine the coup that that is for the Orioles, that they take this guy in the Rule 5 draft, he becomes a reliever, becomes almost Look, like a... I, I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Zach and I were both critical of Elias, and I don't remember what your stand was, and maybe I got got it backwards, but I know I wanted to keep Zach Pop. You know, and Zach Pop has proven not to be really a worthwhile major leaguer at this point in his career. And Tyler Wells, it's been interesting to see how their their needs ended up dictating what they thought was the best path with Tyler Wells, too. Because, yeah. you know, we all thought, well, they experimented with it, and they've turned him into Joe Papelbaum, you know. Mm-hmm. John, or, or what's Papelbaum? Jo- jo- Jonathan Papelbaum. Jonathan Papelbaum. Uh, you know, that here was a good starting candidate that out of necessity we've turned into an ace in the bullpen, you know, and all of a sudden they spring four months later, all of a sudden they had a very different notion of what he could do and where his importance was in the team. And uh, that's that's been a big feather in uh in the cap of uh, general manager Michael Elias. I'll tell you what, Stan. You look at some of these guys that the Orioles bring in here, and I really, I really trust their evaluation process. They did it last year with, uh, what was his name, Fulmer? Was that the guy who came in here? Carson uh, Fulmer from the the former first-round pick of the White Sox. Is yeah, that what you're talking about? Yeah, the, the guy who, who, who came in here, and it was a he small was sample size. by the Dodgers again. Yeah, and it was, and actually it wasn't last year. It was twenty. It was, it was two years ago. It was 2020, 2020, 2020 yeah. but he, he looked like a different guy, and every place he's been since then, he hasn't pitched well. You look at what they've right. done with Jorge Mateo, what they're doing with, with Tyler Wells, it seems like they know how to get the best out of these players. And you know, for people that question what they're doing, this is exactly what they said they were going to do. The, the, and it's been they're starting to reap the fruits of their labors. Uh, I would I would agree with that. I mean, uh, I I was out at that game. Uh, I didn't do the show last Saturday. It was my wife's birthday, right. uh, and we did something together. It was a lot of fun. But um, I so I didn't get to really talk to you about this. I went out to Aberdeen to see Rutschman play, mm-hmm. and what instead that I bumped into was. Leadoff hitter Connor Norby, Rutschman, who we know is a major league, a really good major league prospect, and and is weeks away from you know now he's probably ten days away from making his major league debut, and then Kobe Mayo and Colton Kowser, right? And I I said to myself, I've never seen. I've been watching minor league baseball, the Orioles, for like twenty five, thirty years since I've done Stan the Fan. And I always wanted to stay up on who the prospects were. How many. I've never seen four hitters in a row in the Orioles uh, in the Orioles minor leagues be that good of prospects. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, it was amazing. I mean, Mayo came up 
And he, Luke, I sat with Luke, our editor who wrote the story on Adlai Rutschman, our cover story, which is really a terrific, terrific story. Uh, if you want to look it up, uh, it's on pressboxonline.com. We're available at over 500 locations around town, uh, including 60 Royal Farm stores. But Mayo came up, and Luke was telling me, you know, he hit two home runs the night before. And first of all, you're struck with how much he looks like a major leaguer. I mean, he's big, strong, athletic-looking build. And we watched him hit twice against his starting pitcher in the third time. I think he had a sack fly and a ground out. And uh, the third time, I said, Luke, he's faced the same pitcher two times. He should really be able to pick one out. And the first pitch, he had a home run that was like a Mark McGuire-esque in his prime mm-hmm. home run. I mean, a monster shot uh, that I haven't seen out of an Oriole minor leaguer in a long, long time. Well, yeah. uh, and then to find out that he hit a home run the next night, which meant that he hit four home runs in three games, you know, I expect him to be up at Bowie um, in in the next two weeks or so. Yeah, this is a guy that, and we talked about this on the draft show a little bit, and this this yeah. is a guy that a lot of people think could be the top offensive prospect in all of baseball at this time next year. He's got 70-grade arm and 70-grade power on a scale of 20 to 80, which is elite. Um, yeah. So this is an exciting. The only question is, is he going to stay at third base or is he going to move yeah. over the first base or is he going to not worried about where he's going to play? Yeah. that bat is going to play. Yeah, I think we should yeah. more so wonder is he going to hit third or fourth in an Orioles lineup? Yeah. in yeah. in the future, he's certainly exciting. Adley Rutschman certainly exciting. You alluded to it, Stan. And I and, think and, and Gunnar Henderson is doing some really good stuff too. Gunnar Henderson is having a nice start to his season down at Bowie, yep. which, which is and yep. Jordan Westbrook's the one that's struggling. Last year was a little bit of the opposite. Opposite, um, mm-hmm. and you're seeing, and Gunnar Henderson's been playing a lot of third base, and he's been playing it really, really well. Uh, I don't know that I expect him to make it to Norfolk this year, especially being only 20 years old. But Stan, I, I think he's uh, he, there's a reason he's the Orioles' number three prospect, right? I, yep. I, I think that this is yep. a guy who has firmly placed himself in, in into the Orioles' plans for maybe even as early as next year. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, he's going to dictate. His play is going to dictate where, how, how far they want to jump him this year. You know, I mean, he's at Double A. Uh, I could certainly see him, like in August, if he's having a really, really good year at Double A. I could see him being bumped. You know, up to Triple A. Yeah, possible. And possible. You, you got to wonder where is he going to play? Is he going to play shortstop? Is he going to play third base? Right now, there is a serious need at third base for the Orioles. Um, they've been playing Rios over there a lot. Uh, I don't like the arm enough for for him over there. No, but with, I don't. I don't either. With uh, but with Gunnar Henderson, what he's doing, he's an on base machine. Stan, he, he, he's getting on base at a 447 clip at Bowie right now, which is probably your best minor league system or minor league uh, affiliate at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a guy who is he, he, the expectations were high, and to me, he's even far exceeding those expectations. I fully expect him to be in the Orioles' plans in the near near future. Now, yeah. but uh, Henderson and Mayo are two guys that Mike Elias really and Sig uh, really bet their farm on a little bit, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, they they had to get both of them from they had to pay them over slot to keep them from going to college and both look like they were genius moves to be honest with you. 
Absolutely. I, I 100% agree with you on that. Um, you did mention Adley Rutschman and how he's probably not that far away. All signs, if you're reading the tea leaf standpoint, to him making his debut on Monday the 16th in the home opener against the Yankees. Uh, is that what, where your mindset kind of is? And if that's the case, are you going to be in attendance? Well, I haven't really pinned down the date. I've heard people throwing that out there. Um, I don't really care when it is, and it, it wouldn't bother me if he made his major league debut on this road trip, you know, uh, right. to St. Louis. Where are we going? St. Louis and Detroit? Yes. Um, uh, you know, it's going to happen. Uh, I don't know that I'll make a special effort to be there. If I'm not there, I'll be in front of my television. No well, question about it. I'll tell you that the, the, the two guys on the bat around are going to be there uh, on, on yeah. that Monday. We've already got our tickets in tow. So we'll be All there right. cheering them on. We'll, we'll cheer extra hard for you, Stan. So it sounds like All three right. people. Well, I didn't say I won't be there, but uh, I'm excited. Believe me, I'm excited about uh, moving to the next phase of this rebuild. Yeah, it's it's one of those things, Stan, where you add, you add Rutschman into your lineup and that replaces a guy who's hitting about 130 and he probably mm-hmm. hits in the top five or six in the lineup and it makes your lineup just that much better because these hitters all slot down one. Uh, the biggest shocker of the season when you really analyze stuff is would you have thought on May the 7th that there would be any chance that the Orioles weren't in last place in the American League East? Oh, man. <laughs> Not, and not, they're not, not, they're not. Well, our, our, our favorite website, Tankathon, um, if you've ever been on it, it shows the, the current MLB draft order for 2023, and the Orioles are seventh. Right. Not bad, right. right? They're in front of the right. Cubs, they're in front of Boston, Kansas City, Washington, Detroit, and Cincinnati. So there's that. Right. Yeah. Well, for whatever it's worth. And, and Stan, if I'm being perfectly honest with you, I think I picked Boston to finish in fourth place I think in, in, in this you division did. because I don't see, I didn't see the pitching. I, I, the lineup yeah. is really good. I don't know how they're going to pitch enough to to stay in it. Yeah. Well, their hitting has really been pretty abysmal, too. Oh, has their it really? Story, story hasn't been much. And the Yankees. It's interesting. It's interesting. Now, I don't know. If, did Enrique Hernandez get hurt, or did they just bring up Duran to, to give him some PT? He played center field last night, and Hernandez didn't play. Uh, that I'm not privy to. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. not sure. But maybe they just brought they brought him up to uh, to just infuse some energy into a lineup that, like you said, has been uh, apparently it's has been really. Stagnant. I mean, I, but I don't know what they thought they were getting with Jackie Bradley. I don't that, that trade made no sense no. at all to me. Uh, I mean, you, at this point, you trade for Jackie Bradley because of his defense and, maybe, and nostalgia. Yeah, maybe. And, and maybe you're looking, but I mean, Kike Hernandez played as recently as May fourth. I mean, he's only hitting 189, so maybe right. it was just you know we need to give this guy. A yeah, the bottom, the bottom of their order with him and Dahlbeck, and I mean, it's just been absolutely terrible. Yeah, yeah. well, Dahlbeck's a strikeout machine. But Stan, we are up against it. We got to get going. All what, right, what, guys. What, can, what can we plug for you for this week? Uh, tomorrow night, uh, I mean Monday night, uh, Ross Grimsley and I will have Rick Dempsey on. Oh, excellent! Oh, that 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 got pushed back. That was supposed to happen last week, but it's happening now this week. Correct. Correct. Right. Last week we ended up um, we ended up interviewing our our managing editor Luke Jackson about the uh, the cover story that he did for Pressbox. Uh, yeah. So you guys can find that at the in the uh, archives of pressboxonline.com on the videos tab. Yeah. Uh, Stan, thank you so much. We will talk to you next All week. Right. Enjoy the weekend. All right. You too, guys. Bye. Take care. All right, and that was 
That was Stan the Fan Charles, who has two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. As Stan just said, this past week, they, he and Ross caught up with uh, Press Box editor Luke Jackson to discuss his cover story about Adley Rutschman. Find that show under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com slash video. On Monday, again, you won't want to miss it when Stan and Ross chat with Orioles legend Rick Dempsey. Uh, today's show is brought to you by the Baltimore Police Department. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages, the best starting wages in the state, and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. It is now time for Zach Goodman to sound off. Sounding off with Zach Goodman brought to you today by your local Toyota dealers. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4 available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Zach, what you got for me? I want to talk about the 3-22 and Cincinnati Reds. Now, I wrote that record down last night. They're still 3-22. and Okay. So, Cincinnati. Yeah, they got rained out. They got rained out. Okay. Uh, like There were like six games rained out yesterday, I believe. Correct? There was, yeah. there was a big yeah. uh, big storm going made, out made throughout the, the country. Made the pitch uh, around the league a lot easier. I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. we got a few double headers going on today that we'll discuss in a few minutes. But the Reds, they are 3-22. and They're a terrible team from top to bottom in every way. You look up and down this lineup right now. Everyone's hitting like 150, 170, somewhere around there. It's a few guys that are that are sticking out that have been hitting a little bit better. Jonathan India being one of them. He's the star player in that team. Jonathan India is the the best player on the Reds and the Rookie of the Year last year. He's on the 10 danger list right now. He's not playing. You've got guys like Joey Votto, who is well. I mean, he's a, you know he's a future first ballot Hall of Famer, but the guy is quite a bit past his prime and he's hitting 130 right now. Um, Joey Votto has been horrible. You look up and down the lineup. He had 40 and home runs last year. Did he really? He hit 266 with 40 home wow. runs. I did not year. know he hit 40 home yeah, runs. Yeah, he, he, he was a monster he, in the second half. He of the year. has been unable to do basically anything this year, along with the rest of the lineup. Tyler Stevenson, he's, he's hit okay from the catching spot. It just hasn't been the Reds' year for them so far. And if you look up and down the pitching staff, it's just a bunch of no names. You've got guys. With you know ERAs basically over five five, almost everyone is in ERA over five five. You've got a guy in your starting rotation with an ERA of thirteen seventy eight right now. I I if you're the Reds and you look at the lineup you put together, I think this is why this is a great example of why MLB needed to institute a salary floor. Now they're not they're not you know at, at the complete bottom. They're not like the Oakland A's where they're they're basically paying nothing to a lot of these guys, but. You look at what they've done and the the team they've put together, there is no one in that starting rotation. Hunter Green hasn't been what they expected so far, and he's got the lowest ERA of anybody so far. Um, And you you look at up and down this lineup, and it's just a bunch of no-names. These guys aren't good baseball players. There is very few. And aside from Jonathan India, who's on the injured list, there's basically no one in this this lineup hitting. Tommy Pham is a guy who's not having a good year. He's passes another one probably passed his prime at this point. I mean, he, he became something at the age of 30. What is he now, 33, Sure, he, he's, he's, he's on the older side. I think he's 34, I would say. Yeah. Um, and it's just, if you look up and down this lineup... I don't see how they should be allowed to throw this kind of lineup out on the field, especially the pitching staff, because it's it's that bad. I mean, it is that bad. I think it's just a perfect example of why a salary floor would be something really nice to institute. Maybe you know, a hundred million dollars somewhere around there. We talked that, about seventy, but they they really need more of something of substance in this lineup and this pitching staff. Zach, I love you, man. 
I do. I read I read your sounding off mm-hmm. this morning cuz I was actually in bed asleep when you sent sounding off. Okay. Um I read your sounding off this morning. They shouldn't be allowed to field this team. Who do you root well, who, who do you root for? Well, who I root who, for who, the Baltimore Orioles right. and the and, and what did they do in 20 in 2019? And what did they do in 2020? Well, okay. But and what did they do in 2021? Cincinnati never declared a rebuild, did they? I, I, when I, mean, did they re- I mean, I don't think you have to come out and, I declare well, listen, rebuilding! Listen, listen. They won 83 games last year. They mm-hmm. won 83 games. So why would you not try to go? 83 is fine. You can take that to 90, win seven more games, sign some guys, and com- try to compete. Joey Votto was a renaissance man last year. The, the previous two years were not Joey Votto-esque. Right, Mike Mustakis is getting up there at this point in terrible in, in, at this point, terrible in, in his career. Um, they're probably looking at this team, and also they're probably gearing up for a sale. Because, I mean, well, they already they already started that. To be the, fair, but r- right, I so, never. So, what do you do when you when when you want to sell a team? You strip it down so that they have what so that the new that the new owner of this team has as little money as possible that they have to pay out as soon as they become the owner of this team, which makes your team more valuable and makes you probably get a, a, a better price. They're not going to give you $3 billion for your team if they also have a $150 million payroll that's middling, that they that they have a bunch of these guys on long-term contracts that they're just that they can't do anything with. So the, the, he's stripping it down. We all know that the Reds' owner is the least wealthy yes. of all. He's only, he, he, he's only worth $400 million. You look at, on the other side of things, what's his name, Steve Cohen, the owner Mets, of, of yeah. the Mets? He's worth $15.6 billion, mm-hmm. all right? This is cut and dry to me. They're stripping his team down so that they can sell it. And then the new owner, maybe the new owner goes out there and just spends... $200 million his first year. The, to me, you don't have to declare a rebuild. The writing's on the wall. We're trying to sell the team, and we need to get rid of as much money on the books as possible to sell I, this team. But to say they shouldn't be allowed to field this team... From, you, from you, 80, 83 wins to 3-22? and 22? That's just that's that's an excuse. You you got to come out and try to try to increase that eighty three win total. That's the Orioles went from eighty nine wins to seventy eight wins. Different situation, in my opinion. Forty seven. Okay, but I I think it's a different situation personally. It it, it is, but only because they declared that they were that they were rebuilding. Exactly right. The Reds, we know what they're doing, and to say they shouldn't be allowed to field this team. You can't say that being a fan of the Baltimore Orioles. You just can't. I, but it doesn't matter who I'm a fan of. It's just the, the Orioles it's, starting it's a, it's shortstop in 2019 was Richie Martin. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm aware. They they have they had Kelvin Gutierrez playing third base to start this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this is if you win 83 games, you should try to go out there and win 87, 89, uh, th- and get th- in the playoffs. Th- there's there's a difference. Sorry. There's there's a difference. If you won 83 games with a bunch of guys who were in their mid 30s and the best they could do was 83 wins, mm-hmm. then you're probably doing what the Reds are doing. If you won 83 games with the 2022 Baltimore Orioles, then yeah, you're going to go out there and spend a ton of money. Well, 83 wins and 83 wins are not the same. You have to look at how they did it. And when you look at the fact that they won 83 games last year after being a playoff team the previous yeah. two years, yeah. I believe. They were. Th- they were on their way down. It's a different. It's an 83 wins on the on the hill down to about 100 losses at some point. All right. Uh, it's, I, uh, I, I get it. Look, I don't look at it that look, way. Being an Orioles fan, watching this team suck for so long and watching them put out players that shouldn't be on the field has been really, really troubling for me and really hard to get through, especially doing a show 
every week of the year that talks about the Orioles. That's been really tough for me. But you see, you see the big picture. For the Reds, the big picture was playoffs, playoffs, 83 wins, probably about 50 wins this year. If. It, if that. They'll... Joey Votto and Moustakis will find will find their swing. Well, so Votto's currently on the in the injured list, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, with the, him. The, and the, I believe this is his last year. Uh, he, yeah. he alluded yeah. he alluded to that uh, on social media the other week. Um, so look, do I think that do, do I think it's bad for baseball that a team is three and twenty two? Yes. Do I think that they need to put a better? I, I feel really bad. like I wanted to cry for their fans. Do, like you you come into a baseball season on opening day, you like, agree? Yeah, yeah, and I then, agree. 25 games in, you're 3-22. and 22. That's what I'm saying. That, that, that is my sucks. point. That sucks. And you feel for the fans. You go but from I, 83 to this. But I'm, I'm, I'm not going to come at an organization when I'm a fan of an organization that was doing it first. You know what I mean? Okay. So, um, look, today's show is brought to you by the Live Casino and Hotel. Hotel? The best place to be for the rest of the draft, the NBA playoffs, and all the big upcoming events is FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Bet on every sport with 61 self-service kiosks open 24-7 and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. There are some huge fights coming in May, including UFC 274 tonight and Baltimore's own Javante Davis taking on Rolando Romero later in the month. Reserve your spot for both events right now by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. That's sportssocialmd.com. When we come back in, we'll get to Eric from uh, Prospects 1500 and Utah Street Report. Eric Garfield is going to talk to us about extended spring training. That and more, it's the bet around. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. Hey guys, it's Paul Valley, and there's a new era of Glenn Clark Radio as I've joined Glenn every weekday from 10 a.m. to noon. There will be some changes, but what won't change is the absolute best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me, and great talking to you. New Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Happy to talk with you guys. Ravens kicker, Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot. Good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. You can watch us live at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. 
But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food. 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. And we're back here on the Bat Around. Uh, great show. Th- special thanks to Stan the Fan who did a, gave us a lot of uh, a lot of insight on what's going on with the Orioles as far as Adley Rutschman, the pitching staff. It was a great segment with him. Uh, the Orioles. They. I just want to announce a couple moves that he did. They added Logan Logan Allen to the forty man roster. They claimed him on waivers the other day from the Guardians. Um, so he's in the Orioles bullpen. Travis Lakin's a corresponding move. He was sent back down to AAA. Kelvin Gutierrez uh, cleared waivers, and he is now playing for Norfolk. As to DJ Stewart a couple of weeks ago, he cleared waivers. He's playing in Norfolk now as well. Uh, and the Orioles also just signed former Blue Jays pitcher Hector Perez. Uh, I'm, I, I'm thinking it's a, I think he's a, it's a minor league deal, but he's uh, now in the Orioles system. Zach, the Hector Perez signing, that was a minor league deal? Yes, that was a minor league deal. Uh, someone said it was for two years, which I don't really hear uh, that too often when it comes to minor league deals. They're usually one-year deals. Uh, but he's a guy who throws 96, 97, tops 98, uh, has a pretty good slider apparently. He was a free agent, pitched for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays in 2020, had like a 10-8 ERA, uh, so not the best start to his major league career. But he's 25 years old. How do you look at um, the minors? Had some success in the minors for the Reds. He's more a reliever than a starter. That's mm-hmm. kind of his role. Uh, pitched in 33 games for uh, the Reds minor league team last Last year and had around a six ERA. But previous to that, uh, before uh, he was with the Blue Jays, he pitched pretty well in the minors. Had some like th- uh, mid three ERAs going through his minor league career. Started out when he was like nineteen years old. So it might be an interesting signing. Someone probably for depth. Throws ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah, with, sure. with, with, with a good slider. Uh, sounds like CNL Perez. To me, Sounds yeah, like he's a righty, but makes it a little different. But right. uh, yeah, he 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 also throws a splitter, eighty-seven nine to ninety. Um, he was posting on his Twitter account uh, some video of him. So if you want to go over there and check that out, look, we, we were just we were just talking about it with Stan uh, in our previous segment, and he was and we were saying that Mike Elias and this regime have a great ability to evaluate talent. They do, and they have a a. a, a Great ability to get the most out of these players. Now, this is a guy you bring him into your organization you, with your analytics department um, and your the videos and the the, the camera work that you use, uh, and with with the, the pitch, they're they're teaching the same pitching. Um, mentality, the same. What 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 word am I looking for here? Um, the the same s- pitching philosophy. Philosophy, yeah. From the top to the bottom in this minor league system, yes. and it's spearheaded by Chris Holt. I wouldn't be surprised to see this guy turn into a quality reliever at some point for the Orioles. Maybe not this year. He's got to start having success at the minor league level. But they're going to get they're they're going to try and get what they can out of this guy. And somebody who's seen the Orioles get what they can out of all their uh, minor leaguers and their young players. He's been down in extended spring training all year, as he does basically every year. From Prospect fifteen hundred and Utah Street Report, he's here to talk some spring training, extended spring training with us. He is Eric Garfield. Eric. 
always a pleasure to talk to you, man. Thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. You're welcome. I love uh, coming on, and uh, I learn a lot from all your guests, so I hope, uh, I hope some listeners will learn something from me. Yeah, I think we're, we're about to, but before we do that, uh, you told me you have a new podcast that's coming out soon. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? I don't like time limits, so uh, my friend Jared and I, we write for the same website, and we decided to start a podcast a while ago to talk about the Orioles minors and all the players and all the storylines. So it's called Utah Street South, and uh, the first episode came out last night. We just pretty much went through all the levels and talked about some stars and some under-the-radar guys, and we'll add on to it and make it a, a fun project. So thanks for mentioning that. No, oh, absolutely. Our, our pleasure to do so. And you always give us great intel on what's going on down there in Florida. So uh, I think that's a, pro, uh, a podcast that people need to be tuning into. I'll certainly give it a listen after the show today. Um, look, you gave me a list of players that you want to talk about. I don't know. Uh, like you said, you don't like time limits. We do have time limits here. I don't know that we're going to be able to get to all of them. But none more intriguing to me, Eric, than Samuel Basayo, who is one of the Orioles' okay. first seven-figure inter- international signings. Uh, he's a catcher, a big guy, big, powerful swing. What have you seen from him down there at extended spring training? Well, first of all, the roster says he's 180 pounds, and he definitely is in the range where his weight's going to start with two for the rest of his life. So he's much more than that. He's really a, a big, broad guy, like uh, a tight end, t- uh, body type, but he can explode out of his crouch, and he has a great arm to pair with it. So as he's refining that, he is just throwing out fast runners by two and three feet every wow. time. So the, you know, it's, it's not a good arm. It's a true howitzer, an A+. And he's a great hitter. He has, you know, I try to put up video of his regular swing and slow-mo it so people can see the development. It's also in need of, refinement but the the results and the contact are really loud and really there you know the the it's it's so early but the signs are there that this is an impact like star player type signing so really really good good international signing and, and good uh good value for his his skills so far he's a young guy too i believe he signed what was he 16 17 so he's what 18 years old right now yeah, he's he's 18, and he's you know he's also got a great personality. Like I wouldn't say it's mature, but it's not immature. Like a lot of guys in this situation, and that I'll mention, he's very open to you know he knows he's good, but he's very open to learning and being taught. And there's a a specific catcher instructor down here who's getting a uh, coach Gall G O L L, and he's just you can tell. I watched him do the drills and the blocking type stuff. And he's getting great results out of our catchers. I mean, Creed Williams was the best player, best hitter down here, and he's already up to Delmarva. So there's an example of, you know, a a student learning a lesson and taking it to a higher degree of education. Yeah, and you you mentioned Creed Williams. I believe he was an eighth-round pick for the Orioles in last year's uh, Major League draft. Uh, They gave him overslot money to convince him to forego his commitment to college. what did you see from him? You said uh, you said that he was the best hitter down there, and he's already up at Delmarva. Uh, what is this guy's ceiling? Do you think that he moves from catcher? Where, where do you see him uh, as his career unfolds? Well, I guess his calling card is definitely his contact ability and his large hitter zone, where you know he's got a lot of room 
in his swing where he can touch it and drive it. He's really kind of pull-oriented, but I don't think that's a bad thing. He has great vision, great wrist, great power. So I think I don't want to say he's like bat first because in his first two games he, at Delmarva, he threw out three runners. Wow. He threw out plenty of runners down here. So he's got plenty of, of catching skill and catching fundamentals. But I also saw him early in camp shagging flies in the outfield. I also saw him taking grounders at second. I've even discussed this with him. There's YouTube video of him everybody should watch as a pitcher. He has a great rising fastball. So I really, you know, he's a skilled guy. So I, I, I can't say what he can and what he can't do. But when he was in front of me, he was a really consistent player at the, at the plate more than anything else. So hit, really, really good hit tool and power. Yeah, and that's something that that's why he was he the Orioles drafted him was for the hit tool for the power. I believe he was the only high school bat that they took in the draft last year. So that's it's good to see him getting. Now he's gone off to a little bit of a slow start at Delmarva, but that's to be expected. It's a it's a level higher than he's ever played uh, in 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 his life to this point. But if if he's a player that we think he is, and a player that you've seen down in down in Florida, that's a guy who will probably uh, get it going here sooner rather than later. Another guy that the Orioles drafted and got him to forego his commitment to college by giving him over slot is Carter Baumler. Look, he referred to himself as a more athletic Zach Cranky, but then got hurt in 2020, uh, fall instructs, and needed Tommy John surgery. How's he coming along down there? Well, remember also that Zach Cranky is known to fans for his different perspective on baseball and his personality. And uh, sitting and talking with Carter and watching him start, I would say that's also part of the equation with him. Uh, on the mound, his stuff is coming back, his fastball and his fastball location. Uh, if you watched, you probably wouldn't think he just had elbow ligament replacement surgery. I'd say the, the true downward diagonal yank, like on his slider and his breaking pitches, is not there yet, and it's not a, a result of like not being strong enough. It's just because his elbow was surgically messed with. So that's what's like coming back now. I guess the really like the true junk on his breaking stuff. But he's going three innings at a time. I bet in a couple weeks he'll switch to four innings at a time, and he'll be on you know the post Tommy John schedule. But uh, I would say that when he starts rising, he's going to be a good strikeout per nine pitcher. I, I can see the batters already making tough decisions as the stuff isn't there. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him be like an elite strikeout per nine guy as he climbs the, the minors and you know opens up his arsenal a little bit instead of like one or one or two pitches. Maybe he could have three or four, including a, a true finisher. So Carter Carter's really good. The best pitcher that I've seen down here is really the most efficient. Starting pitching performance is funny. It's Matt Harvey. When it's Matt Harvey, the first three innings take like less than 12 minutes. <laughs> you said the first three innings take less than 12 minutes? Yeah, well, the first time he pitched a perfect game through five. The second time he didn't give, a, give up a hit through, uh, I want to say, three innings. His first hit came in the fourth, and then there was only one more base runner. So he he's getting his work in, and these. 17, 18, 19-year-old hitters on other organizations, you know, Matt Harvey's stuff is a, a, a level better when it's moving, and he comes in warm. You know, at Sarasota, it does not take time to 
to warm up when game time temperature is like 90 degrees. Wow. And, and like you said, we got to take it with a grain of salt because he's facing 17, 18, 19-year-old players down there who are clearly several levels below him. But it's better than the alternative, right, where where he's going down there and he's doing what you would expect him to do. Uh, how does this stuff look for Matt Harvey? Is he hitting his spots? Is, is, oh, my gosh. The, the stuff looks <laughs> good? I would not be surprised if he makes a contribution to the Orioles and it's not in the minors. His stuff is... Hitting the spots, his at bats are efficient, and he's showing finishing skills. So I don't know. I, I you know I can't tell what the plans are for him, but when he comes in, he's you know he's kicking ass and making it really fast. Yeah, well, we we don't know what kind of disciplinary actions he's going to be facing from Major League Baseball. There may be a suspension in there. We heard rumors of a 60-game suspension, but nothing's come down yet. Maybe they're waiting till he actually joins uh, the big league club to uh, to announce that. But it's good to hear that he's down there and he's dominating, and maybe maybe he can come up and help the Orioles some point later this year. Now, some other guys that you uh, mentioned to me, in a recent article, you raved about Anderson De Los Santos. Strong arm, thick lower half. I believe you said this guy has the attitude and demeanor of a baller. Tell us a little bit about De Los Santos. He's not too high up, and he's, I've seen him do some good things. He's ne- never too far down. I've seen him go for five with every at-bat full of bad swings. So he's got that moderate, in-the-middle temperament, and his skills are... Very high level. If you look at his stats from before he got to America, uh, he was a 300 hitter over a full season. So I wouldn't be surprised to see those type of tendencies once he gets to affiliated ball. Also, really, really good. Uh, like like a like a fire hydrant type, low to the ground build. Good athleticism. Great turn. Great pivots at third base. Really fast with the transfer from the grounder to like throwing positions. So. And a, a very strong arm. He's not a guy who bounces throws even when he rushes. So, you know, at this level, a lot of guys bounce throws when, when they rush. But his is always chest high. And, again, Basayo is a really good target at, at first when he plays first. But I, I like De Los Santos as like that corner protector type with a good quick bat. Sometimes he swings first pitch. And if he does, it's almost always a hit. So, I'm, you know, I'm noticing stuff like this about a lot of guys. He's. He's a guy that has a lot of fun stuff for Orioles fans to notice. Eric, I know in our personal conversations, we've talked about Elio Prado a little bit, one of the the guys that came over in the trade from the Red Sox uh, with Andrew Kashner. That was the, the trade with Noel Barth Romero and Elio Prado. Now, Prado, I know, has faced some injuries, uh, but you seem to like Prado a lot. Can you tell us a little bit about where he is and why he is yet to play this year? Okay. His best skill is his confidence and his belief. And he, for this level, is an A-level offensive performer. So his self-confidence, I mean, it, he's just dripping with, I know I can do this every single day and be good at it and beat whoever you put in front of me. So that, that is, a, you know, a, if people watch him, they'd call him cocky and it would turn people off. But for me, it, I just feel very differently. And when he gets in the plate, if he gets to 0-2 on two close pitches, he just steps out, takes a deep breath, shortens his swing. So he has, like, veteran baseball offensive skills, too, and his bat-to-ball skills are so much better than people talk about. I just – he's the one guy that when he, gets, when he gets started, people are going to just love what he does and how clutch he is. If the team needs a hit and he's coming up, 
he's getting a hit. So the the little the little likable things about him. I mean, I am crazy about him as a performer, and uh, he missed a couple days, and he came back yesterday, batted second, and had two hits. So he really, really is the kind of dependable performer. If he plays in the rookie league, I'm you know I'm going to be there every single day and uh, documenting his progress. But I would not be surprised if if he gets warm, he skips the rookie leagues and goes to uh, Delmarva. And finally, guy we haven't heard much about, but he was uh, signed at the same time as Samuel Basayo, Michael Hernandez. He, he hasn't played in, in a game yet, if I'm uh, just basing that off of your, the article that you wrote recently. How close is he to getting into games, and what have you seen from him in limited time? Well, actually, I've been looking for, like, what's the cool thing about Michael that I'm going to find out, or you know, what, what's something that can make me believe in him and yesterday at Pirate City, I was about a foot away from some guy in the dugout, and he had a black T-shirt on, and I hadn't seen him in a while. And I could have sworn it was him, and it was him. He was in the dugout because he came in as a substitute. Okay. So he hadn't played. I haven't seen him practice or play in like 10 to 12 days. So this was like his first time back and his first time doing something in front of me. He comes in in the seventh inning. The very first pitch from, I believe it was Lefty Omar Hernandez, was a, a scalding uh, grounder towards the third base and shortstop hole. Michael took two steps and fielded it, pivot from the hole, and threw a, a bounce, a one-bounce throw right to De Los Santos's hip and got the out by like a foot and a half. I was screaming. <laughs> Everybody was screaming. Like that was his first play back. And now I'm like, all right, well, I have a reason to like and trust uh, Michael. But, you know, I haven't seen and, – and after that, he got in a bat and he drove a, a high change up deep to center field. It looked like off the bat it could have gone out. But that's what I've seen from him. It, it hasn't been a lot. In his stead, Frederick Ben Cosme has been absolutely electric, making every play, stealing bases, picking up the extra base. So he's a guy that's impressed me while, while Michael hasn't been there. But I have a feeling there's going to be a rookie league team with Michael at shortstop, Ben Cosme at second, and that'll be the best infield in the rookie league. Yeah, you, you, talked about, you mentioned uh, Ben Cosme in your article, and it looked like you said that the defense was ahead of the bat. And the defense is nice. You got, as Buck Showalter said, you've got to catch the ball to play at the big league level. How far behind is his bat? Oh, it's not, it's not very behind, but his defense is, so smooth and so confident. He's just a, a long-limbed guy that really can get to everything. His range is even longer than than, than it uh, than it appears. So they're both good. I think he also hit 300 in the Dominican League and had like double-digit steals and a few homers. So I, he he profiles to me as an early at-bat hitter. If he wants to. He'll just see a lot of pitches and go, like, on-base style. So I wouldn't say it's that much behind, but the defense is more than trustworthy at this point. It's, it's developable, developable and really, really solid. Well, that's certainly good to hear. Now, one of the prospects that you've seen down there in the past is set to make his big league debut. Honestly, probably, if we're reading everything correctly, probably Monday, May 16th, that's Adley Rutschman. Is there any chance we get an Eric Garfield signing, uh, sighting 
at Camden Yards on that Monday to see Rutschman's debut? I have thought about who to see and what trip I would make, and I don't think it's in the cards to see Adley. Uh, but like Stan said, if I don't go, I'll definitely be watching on TV, and it'll be something that, you know, I'm not – I watch Orioles minors, so I don't watch a ton of Orioles games, but – there's there's other guys throughout the minors that are actually extremely close that I think I would rather like scream when they come in, but uh, it's it's certainly not because it's an unexciting uh, moment or something that I'm not looking forward to. So uh, I hope Adley comes up soon, and I feel just like you do. Uh, batting in the top part of the order and displacing somebody with less skill than him is a true win-win. It's not addition by subtraction. It's just time to get this superstar skilled player in the lineup. So it's, it's not because of a lack of excitement, obviously. Well, uh, we certainly believe that, and we certainly look forward to when you do have the opportunity to get up here, you coming up here. And when you do, please let us know, and we'll try to find a way to, to meet up and, and have a beer with you there at the ballpark. All right, Eric? Absolutely. That sounds cool. I hope so. All right. Thank you so much for your time. We will talk to you again soon, and have fun down there in Florida, all right? All right, later, fellas. Take it easy. That was Eric Garfield uh, joining us to plug his new podcast, talk about the Orioles' extended spring training and some exciting players that could be on the cusp of making their professional debuts here for an affiliate in the not-too-distant future. We are really behind. I just want to remind you again that today's show is brought to you by the Baltimore Police Department. You can join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. You can start with competitive wages, the best in the state, and excellent benefits on day one. You can join for good at BPD recruit.org that's bpdrecruit.org when we come back in uh the payoff pitch around the league and orioles banter that next on the bat around baseball is back and so is the spring seasonal menu at glory days grill start with the opener flash fried pork belly with our popular korean number two sauce and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce white american cheese and house made chips it also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese grilled shrimp with garlic butter and a strawberry salmon salad and then there's the closer the cracker jack sundae with a waffle ice cream and cracker jack This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas 
area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. All right, we got to do this as quickly as possible because we have arguably the biggest guest in the history of the show coming up here at yeah, 1040, and that's Ben McDonald. We He's going to be joining us at 1040, so we got to get through this if we want to have any kind of Orioles banter. So get ready. Let's see if I can do it all in one breath. Luis Robert homered and drove in two to back a solid outing by starter Vince Velasquez. And closer Liam Hendricks picked up his eighth save with a 3K ninth as the White Sox handed the Red Sox their 11th loss in 15 games and sole possession of last place in the East, 4-2. Eric Lauer gave up one earned run to go along with eight Ks and six in the third innings pitched and four Brewers tallied multi-hit games to pace the Brewers in a 6-3 win over Atlanta. Chas McCormick and Martin Maldonado went back-to-back in the second to provide all the Astros scoring while Luis Garcia allowed one earned run in seven innings with nine Ks to lead Houston over the Tigers, 3-2. Byron Buxton hit his ninth home run and Josh Wynn allowed just one hundred run in seven innings to pick up a win for the Twins over the Athletics 2-1. Mike Trout had two hits and two RBIs, and the L.A. bullpen allowed just one base run over the final four innings as the Angels shot out the Nationals 3-0. David Peralta homered and drove in two, and Merrill Kelly came within and out of a complete game as the D-backs took down the Rockies 4-1. Randy Rosarena had four hits. Manuel Margot hit a pinch hit three-run homer in the ninth to lead the Rays over the struggling Mariners 8-7. Manny Machado, baseball's leader in average and OPS, had two more hits and an RBI, and Hugh Darvish tossed seven innings, a two-run ball to push the Padres past the Marlins 3-2. And Harrison Bader hit a two-run homer and Dylan Carson lays to go ahead RBI single in the ninth to lead the Cardinals over the Giants 3-2. to two. Uh, The Orioles and Royals were postponed. They have a doubleheader on Sunday. The Pirates and Reds were postponed. They have uh, reschedule. It's been rescheduled as part of a doubleheader on July 7th. Dodgers and, Cub- and Cubs postponed doubleheader on Saturday. Mets, Phillies postponed rescheduled as part of a doubleheader August 20th. Rangers, Yankees postponed a doubleheader on Sunday. And the Blue Jays and Guardians postponed. They, also, they have a doubleheader on Saturday. <gasps> What I'm, do you we I'm have on Saturday? We got a lot on we got a lot on tap on Saturday because of all these these games. We got a few double headers going. Starting off with the Pirates and the Reds, JT Brubaker versus Connor Overton at twelve thirty five. Then we got the Dodgers and the Cubs, Clayton Kershaw versus Drew Smiley, a lefty battle at one oh five. Blue Jays at the Guardians, game one of that double header. Game two is going to be to be determined as far as the time goes. Love that but guy. Two ten. Kevin Gosman versus Shane Bieber. You gotta watch that one. That is a premier pitching matchup. Game two will be Ross Stripling and Tristan McKenzie who finally 
can make a few starts after coming out of the bullpen to start the year. The Athletics and the Twins at 210. James Caprolian versus Sonny Gray at 405. With the Tigers at the Astros. Eduardo Rodriguez, the former Red Sox, versus the lefty Framber Valdez. The Mets at the Phillies, 405. Kyle Gibson versus Max Scherzer. That's another great pitching matchup. Two ERAs well under three in that game. The White Sox, they'll be at the Red Sox today. Dylan Cease versus Nick Pavetta. Cease is off to a great start to the season. He'll look to continue it at Fenway Park. Pirates at the Reds. Mitch Keller versus Robert Duggar. Duggar's off to a bad start to his year. Mitch Keller off to an even worse one. But that's a game at 6-43-22 Reds versus the 10-14 and 14 Pirates. Kansas City Royals face your Baltimore Orioles. Carlos Hernandez against Jordan Lyles, who has become the number two in this rotation. 2-2 two and two with a 4-5 ERA for Jordan Lyles. He'll look to keep his success going to start this season. Cardinals and Giants. Stephen Matz, Logan Webb at 7-15. Uh, they have 14-12 Giants versus the 16-10 Cardinals. The Brewers and the Braves, the 19-8 Brewers, and the 12-16 Braves. Corbin Burns, 1.93 ERA against Max Freed, the lefty with a 3 ERA so far going into this year. Another great pitching matchup. we got a lot of them on tap today. Dodgers at the Cubs at 740. Tyler Anderson versus Daniel Norris. Two lefties again in the matchup at Wrigley Field. Rockies at D-backs, 810. Kyle Freeland versus Zach Davies, former Orioles Zach Davies. Marlins at Padres. Pablo Lopez versus Sean Manea. Manea's having a good start to his year. Lopez even better. 3-1 with a 1-2-9 ERA at 8-40 Padres and the Marlins. The Nationals, they'll go against the Angels at 9-07. Josiah Gray, who they got in the Max Scherzer trade last year versus Michael Lorenzen. Uh, the Rays at the Mariners. The 17-10 Rays versus the 12-15 Mariners. Drew Rasmussen versus Marco Gonzalez. 9-10 at T-Mobile Park. And then finally, we have a postponed game, which is supposed to be today. Rangers and the Yankees get Eric Cole was supposed to be on the mound, but that is postponed as of today. There's your Saturday rundown. All right. Now, Orioles Banter, which is brought to you by the Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. It's the best place for the rest of the draft. The NBA play... The draft has been over for, over for a week. It's the best place for the NBA playoffs and all the big upcoming events. The FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Bet on every sport with 61 self-service kiosks open 24-7. And watch all the action from the best seat in the house. There are some huge fights coming in May, including UFC 274 tonight with Baltimore's own Javon. Was that last week? That I have no idea. I think that was last week. Do not watch that sport. I think this is... (laughs) Guys... Go to the, live, to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. I believe Gervonta uh, Ger- Davis is taking over Londa Romero later this month, but UFC 274 is definitely last week. Reserve, reserve your spot for both events right now by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. And now, without further ado, Orioles banter. <laughs> All right. I love when you say it like that. It's always the, it always makes it for me. It makes Dude, the show. I was flying. Through. I got through mine pretty quick too. I yeah, feel like I, I didn't mess up a single name in that. Didn't I, I, you, uh, well. You, you James, called, you called um, James Caprolian. I think that's how you say it. Am you, I correct you, in that one? you you called Sean Manaya Manaya. Oh, I thought it was Manaya. It's Manaya. Manaya. I'm Man- sorry. Manaya. I'm sorry to Sean Manaya. Yeah, that, I, I, that, that I wholeheartedly guy. apologize to him. Anyway, um, no, nah, we flew through it. We, we got it done in less than in less than three minutes. We got eight minutes before Ben McDonald. Let's go with uh, Orioles banter. No, we, that 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 clock is off. We got ten minutes. Oh, we got ten minutes. You're right. It's that clock's a little fast. Yeah, yeah it, it right. is. Um, I noticed that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, but look, Jorge Mateo. We talk about the shortstops in the Orioles system. You talk about Gunnar Henderson. You talk about Jordan Westberg. You talk about Joey Ortiz. Mm-hmm. And Jorge Mateo is a placeholder, or so it would seem. Mm-hmm. But I think we can agree that this guy probably has a spot on this roster 
when this team's competitive. It's funny. I was just talking to, uh, about this exact situation with my dad yesterday and the, the, the way that Mateo has come on so quickly and, and transformed himself from maybe that placeholder to, hey, maybe this guy's not so much just a he, placeholder. He has the highest line drive rate in baseball. Wow. Right I did now. not know that. The highest line drive rate in baseball. He's, I believe he's still the major league leader in steals, but somebody may have passed. You know Manny Machado has six steals. Wow. He stole six <laughs> base last yeah. night. Six deals in wow. the first month of games, um, but yeah, Jorge, Jorge Mateo. Uh, look, he 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 tomahawked a home run into the bullpen uh, on Thursday, tripled off the right field wall. Watching that guy when he's when he has an opportunity to go for th- for third base, watching those Jets get turned on is absolutely impressive. Oh, I yeah. think we're gonna see a number of triples from him as this season continues. Look, the defense, uh, th- that's what scared me the most, mm-hmm. was the defense. And I was looking at Jorge Mateo as a guy I'd like to see play five days a week all over the field. Sure, Maybe a spot start at shortstop, some time at third, some time at second, some time in the outfield. He's their everyday shortstop. Every day. And he'll make some spectacular plays. He'll botch a routine ground ball. He'll bat- Now look, they'll tell you that backhanding a ball is better as far as Getting it into your throwing, transferring it to your throwing hand, and getting the throw off quickly. Mm-hmm. That's where Moteo has struggled the most, is on the backhand. On balls yes. where if he gets in front of it, he probably gets the out. But instead, he tries to backhand it, he boots it, and there ends up being a guy on first base. And I don't know. And it, it hurt the Orioles last Thursday, the day of the draft. It hurt them then when they gave up, uh, when they had five errors, and I think all but like four of the, of the Yankees' 10 runs were unearned. Um, but this is a guy who's playing his tail off. He is. He's he exciting. Is. You see why he was a top 100 prospect a, a few times. Where do you rank him? At, like, uh, where does he stand? Where does he stand with with, with this team and with the future? Because Gunnar Henderson is probably going to be here next year, mm-hmm. uh, and Westbrook could be here as soon as this year. Well, Westbrook's really struggling. Yeah, right I mean, it's just that once you get to the the days in in September, I feel like it could be a a, a short step. We'll see. But you you Up know you, you know you know that the bat's going to come around. Right. You, you know right. that it, 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 he hit well at all three levels last year. Right. So those guys are coming sooner than later. Jorge Mateo has done enough yeah. to be in this lineup every single day. Right. Is this a guy who can have a say in who's playing for the Orioles next year and years to come? When he was DFA'd, I tweeted out, I really wanted the Orioles to claim Jorge Mateo. When, when this was back in, you know, right before they claimed him a few days later. The reason I tweeted that was because you look at the minor league numbers and you look at, you know, the fact that he's team control. Unfortunately, he's out of options, so that doesn't really help the Orioles out that much. Not that they're looking to option him, of course, because he's playing the everyday shortstop at the moment. But you look at what Jorge Mateo did in 2019. He hit 289, 19 home runs, stole 24 bases in AAA. Now, it's it's the Pacific Coast League. We all know the Pacific Coast League is a little... The numbers are a little bit jacked up. They're, they're higher than they should be, especially power-wise, because the air is thinner, and ballparks are generally a little bit smaller. And that, that league definitely produces a lot of home runs. So, you know, you, you factor in the park factor, and it's maybe a 15-home run season. But even so, even so... Jorge Mateo was fantastic for Oakland in 2019. He did strike out 145 times in relation to uh, 29 walks, which is far, far from uh, optimal. It's not not the best numbers Be- there. Between but low A and high A in 2015, he stole 82 bases. Yeah, I know. I know. 82 bases. The guy has 80-grade speed. He's the fastest runner in baseball. And the thing is with this guy is that he never really got a chance anywhere. You go to San Diego, and you look at, you know, he got traded to San Diego, obviously. 
And you look at who he was behind, but Jake Cronenworth, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis. Of course, in the minors, they had guys coming up like C.J. Abrams, and they just didn't really use Jorge Mateo the way he should have been used. He was a utility player playing mm, two times a week. And when you're a utility player playing two times a week, you really don't get the opportunity to show yourself and show who you are as an actual player. Mateo comes over to Baltimore, and he hits 280 last year. He had, you know, he had two home runs, 748 OPS, more than respectable numbers. The defense, obviously, is the big question. But Mateo's never really gotten the chance until now to be a starter at the major league level. And I think that's where the big distinction here between him and a lot of the other guys the Orioles have brought in on waivers. This guy is a prospect. The other guys they've brought in are somewhat retreads from other organizations. This guy never got a chance. This is a They almost stole a prospect from San Diego when they claimed him off waivers. He could absolutely be a piece for the Orioles in the future. Yeah, the the eighty grade speed, the high the high line drive rate. Mm-hmm. This is just a guy that's exciting to watch. Exactly. Play. I mean, that and, double and play the other day was was magnificent. Oh, absolutely, man. He he made a play where he fielded in New York, I believe it was. He fielded a ground ball in the hole and made a jump. He didn't even jump. He was about. I don't know what was it, ten feet into the outfield grass, and yeah. threw the guy threw the guy out at first base. Yeah. Look, he he'll make that spectacular play. He's an athlete. Right. Uh, again, the ground balls right at him, or the the backhands are, are, are a little suspect for him. Yeah. But if the defense continues to improve, and look, the Orioles lead the American League in double plays turned. Right. For as bad as we think that they that the defenders can be at times. They lead the, and that also speaks to the pitching and getting a lot of ground balls, mm. right? But thirty-one double plays turned in twenty-six games. Right. Uh, this defense, with Jorge Mateo in the heart of it, is playing some good baseball right now. This is a guy who is going to have a say. Look, I don't know that he starts over a guy like Gunnar Henderson, but that's going to be tough for him. Yeah. But Gunnar Henderson might be playing third base for you next year. Right. And he's been playing really well at third base. Jorge Mateo was a guy who, at the beginning of the year, I was like, I see this guy as a fourth outfielder type of guy who can play all over the field and get three to five starts each week. Now this is a guy who is saying, I, especially betting ninth, mm-hmm. you look at the game on, um, on Thursday night, he and Mullins had four hits combined. Yeah. And they were two homers, a double, and a triple. Right. You're talking nine-one in your in your batting order. This is awesome. a guy who who yeah. turns if he gets on base, turns that ba- that batting order back over, and he's a threat to score every time he gets on base. Right. If, I mean, this was more or less a free top 100 prospect the Orioles got. He never got an opportunity. It's not like this guy re- was a was flamed out with another team and just came over to the mm-hmm. Orioles because he didn't have success elsewhere. He didn't have the chance to play elsewhere, and that's the big distinction I think with this guy. I just went to his baseball savant page to give us a little bit of perspective on some of these numbers. Expected batting average in the 73rd profile. Percentile that's very good. Uh, max exit velocity in the 60th percentile also good. Uh, the sprint speed 96th. I mean, of course, the guy's incredibly fast. Um, the K the K percentage, chase rate, whiff percentage, walk that's percentage. A, that's across the board, all, all bad around the league. All bad, and we, and we know that with Mateo, he strikes out a lot. He doesn't walk a lot, and that's that's what to expect with a guy like that. But also uh, outs above average in the 34th percentile, not great. That's definitely well below you know average. But you look at the fact that he uh, you know he. He certainly has passed the eye test, I think, in, in both of our minds. Yeah, he's certainly an exciting player, and he's he's one of those guys that, again, when when Rutschman gets here, which we think is going to be a matter of days mm-hmm. rather than weeks or months at this it's point. It's got to be. Um, he's still going to bat ninth. Sure. But you look at the rest of this order, and you think, really, where's the weakness? And, and, and Not many. And, and, and the weakness is your second baseman, who right now is roof, <laughs> is roof net door. Yeah. And that's about it. I, Ramon, I, I, Ramon Arias has struggled, but to be fair, his high hit percentage 
is higher than it was last year. Yeah. His strikeout rate is lower than it was last year. And he's hitting to some bad luck. How many fly balls to the wall has this guy hit? How many oh, a li- lot. How many line drives has he hit the right field that just stayed up that got caught by the right fielder? Uh, th- this is this is a guy that bat's going to turn around. Right. And if you look at his percentile rankings, they are excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, across the board, 88th of average exit velocity, 68th of max exit velocity, 88th hard hit percentage, 86th expected batting average, 68th uh, expected weighted on base average, and 90th percentile of chase rate. Guys doing having a good season, it's not showing up on the, uh, yeah. as far as the and, numbers and, go. And Austin Hayes alluded to this in an interview the other day after the Orioles uh, f- uh, win 5-3 to three when they hit the five solo home runs. They've been stinging the ball and hit into a lot of hard outs. Yeah. When they were facing Ryan, um, no, no, when they were facing Chris Paddock in the first game of the series, the first couple of innings, they hit like five balls with 100-mile-an-hour exit yeah. velocity that were all caught. Uh, this team is hitting to some incredibly bad luck. As the weather warms up, it gets a little bit more humid out there. I fully expect to see this team start driving the baseball and driving it into parts where fielders can't catch the ball. Trey Mancini's been so unlucky. He really has, and, and Austin Hayes as well um, has been, been incredibly unlucky. Uh, but I, I just went to Trey Mancini's savant page as well, and he is, again, close to maxed out on a lot of these percentile rankings because of how good Trey Mancini has been hitting the ball hard. Um, it's not showing up, on the again, on the stat sheet. He's batting about 250. He's got one home run. But, the, you know, the, certainly he's hit the ball hard uh, and, and really harder than, than you could have expected at this and, point. And, and, and the it's, percentile rankings show it. And it's, and it's crazy. Trey Mancini had a three-hit game the other day, and they were an infield single to the third baseman. I'm sorry, an infield single to the shortstop, an infield single to the second baseman, and an infield single to the first baseman. Uh, so the guy who's been hitting the ball, who had at one point seven balls hit batted at over 100 miles an hour and only one hit to show for it, gets three base hits on slow grounders to the infield. So uh, the, the, maybe the luck is starting to turn for the Orioles. We have seen them hit seven home runs in the last two games, score 14 runs in the process. Uh, and that's that goes along... When the team starts hitting, with the way they've been pitching in a 3-8-5 team ERA, 3-6-3 from the, from the bullpen, 4-0-5 from the rotation, if the team can start hitting to go along with the pitching that they have, this could be a lot better season than people have been anticipating the Orioles to have. We heard all this talk about their about their really low payroll, but they also have a lot of young guys who are still pre-arbitration eligible. And this is this is a team that's playing some exciting baseball, and a guy who's been there at the forefront, a guy who's been there at the forefront um, to see this is Ben McDonald, who is joining us live on the bat around now. Ben, good morning to you. Thank you for taking some time for us today. Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? We're doing great, especially with the way the Orioles are playing. And Ben, the Orioles look—they're ten and sixteen through twenty-six games this year. Last year they were twelve and fourteen, but it looks. And feels different. I can't quite put my finger on it. I, I guess it's because the pitching has been so much better than we ever anticipated. What are we seeing from the Orioles that has made them be a much more competitive and exciting team in 2022? Well, I, I think you get the nail on the head. I think it begins with the pitching. And anytime you can pitch a little bit and play some defense, you got a chance. And you go back before this year, three of the last four years. In baseball, the Orioles have had the worst ERA in baseball through right. the last four years. And now, all of a sudden, the pitching has stepped forward, you know. And when you can pitch it, and the Orioles have, I don't want to say they've overachieved, but they've had some nice surprises, you know, both in the starting rotation. I think Jordan Lyles has done a nice job. Tyler Wells continues to build up, you know, first year starting at the big league level. Bruce Zimmerman has looked been off the charts. I mean, we knew Bruce was going to be solid, but we didn't think he'd be this good early as he's been. 
I love what I'm seeing from Kyle Bradish. I know he gave up a little bit the other day, and I think his fourth inning of a workout. Uh, and Spencer Watkins, to me, has been one of the biggest surprises to the to the rotation. I mean, you talk about a guy who had an ERA north of eight last year, yeah. and yet he's kept the Orioles in every game so far this year. You know, and then, look, the bullpen's better. I, I mean, look at what Felix Bautista, CNL Perez, you talk about Joey Crable, Paul Fry's had three shutout outings in a row now. You know, Dylan Tate, and of course, uh, you know, Keegan Aiken has been off the charts. And so, look. It's been top to bottom, and I think this offense is just starting to hit its strides, guys. I mean, look, we know that they barrel some balls up early and face some tough pitching staffs early, not many runs to go along. But you go back and look over the course of maybe the last 10 games, you could see it start to turn a little bit. In the last two games, double digits and hits for the first time in back-to-back games all season long, seven home runs in the last two games. And so, look, I think it's starting to click a little bit for the Orioles. Absolutely. There's, there's a lot to unpack there. And let's uh, let's start with Kyle Bradish and kind of work our way backwards a little bit here. Now, Kyle Bradish, his first start was really good. Six innings, two runs uh, in his first ever big league start. He goes out there uh, in his last start and really solid, faces a minimum through three innings. And the Orioles score six runs in the bottom of the six and uh, bottom of the third, excuse me. And it's really the first time that he has to sit for an extended period while his team scores a bunch of runs. And then he goes out there, and maybe the mentality is just throw strikes, and he gets hit a little bit, and maybe the long home run to Carlos Correa kind of gets in his head. Um, you were a former top prospect, number one overall pick, and, a, and an incredible big league pitcher. What's the mentality like for a guy like Kyle Bradish in his second big league start when he gets that run support and he goes out there and then starts giving up hits and runs? What's going through a guy's head in that moment? Well, uh, you know, Kyle Bradish learned a very valuable lesson, and we all learned that in some ways. It happened to me many years ago in Kansas City where I got a bunch, very similar game, tight game, all of a sudden you get a six or a seven spot, and the guys are like, hey, just go throw strikes, just go throw strikes, and, you know, it'll work out. Well, it doesn't change. Nothing changes even with a big lead, you know, and you continue to attack the way you wanted to attack from the beginning. And Kyle Bradish admitted, I mean, I heard him in the in the post-game interview, he said, you know what, I, I – I kind of became a fan for a second. You know, I got caught up in the runs that we were getting, and I kind of became a fan. Well, that's wonderful to do, but your main job is to go out and pitch. And I think he learned something that, hey, you cannot ever let your guard down at this level. You have to keep your mental approach to what you're trying to do out there. And if you if you get off your mental game just for an instant, they can come back and get you. And I think that's what happened to him in some ways. It was a long sit for him, which happens occasionally. But on the other hand, you, you, sometimes in a starting pitch, you get a few runs, you start to go – you take a breath and go, okay, okay, this is better. Well, sometimes when you take that breath, it doesn't work out. And he just couldn't he just couldn't turn it off at that point, you know, and it kind of snowballed on him a little bit because the stuff was really good the first three. And then, you know, there's a leadoff walk. And we always talk about this. We say, look, after your team gets you some runs, the shutdown inning, the next inning is the most important. So that's when your mental focus needs to be at its highest because if you can go out there and throw up a zero after you get a big run support, the game is almost over at that point, but instead he let the Twins kind of climb back in it with a leadoff walk to arise. You mentioned a big home run that Correa hits and another walk and a single, and all of a sudden they're right back in the ball game with, with four runs. So Kyle will be better for this. I love the kid's stuff. To me, it's, it's big-time stuff. I think he's going to pitch for a long time. But it is, don't forget, it's learning at this level. You know, and that's what he's going to go through this year. 
Hey, man, it's Zach Goodman. You talked about the other day on the broadcast that you thought his curveball was probably the better of the two breaking pitches and that you really thought he threw it well, especially in that first start. What have you seen from the curveball and the slider and, and, and the way those two pitches kind of differentiate from each other, and which one you think he can throw for strikes more consistently? Well, you know, the, I've never seen Bradish throw other than on TV. I caught him in a spring training game when he threw one of his spring training games okay. this year. And the scouting report we got on him was that it was slider over curveball. In other words, yeah. the slider was better. It was a more consistent pitch. But the first start for him, I actually thought his curveball was better. And, you know, I, it, but this is the point about what you have and each day being a little bit different at the big league level, you won't really be able to judge him until maybe he gets 10 or 15 starts and you kind of see what's more consistent. But I thought it was curveball over slider in his first start. They're two different pitches, obviously. One, the curveball is a little bit slower, and it's got more of a 12 to 6 or 1 o'clock, 7 o'clock break to it, if you will, talking about a clock. The slider is more of a sweeping across the zone, a little bit harder type of pitch. And most of your starting pitches in today's game – uh, you know, have two different breaking balls. Some have three if you cut the, if you count the cut fastball as a breaking ball too. You know, and so uh, I think each day is going to be a little different for Kyle. But I love the fact he has two real breaking balls out there. So I'm anxious to see him his next time out to see how he bounces back, bounces back from this. We saw the fastball up to 97. It's got a little natural cut to it, and I actually thought he threw some really good changeups. So it's four real pitches for me at, uh, at the big league level for Kyle Bradish. Now. Bradish is already here, and we've got Grayson Rodriguez waiting in the wings. D.L. Hall just got the promotion in Norfolk after just the one buoy start. Uh, is this a, for the first time in a long time, uh, Ben? Orioles fans can really start to get excited about this team and where they're headed. Would you agree that, that Rodriguez and Hall, stuff-wise, are major league ready, and now they just need the build-up to get here? Oh, no doubt. I mean, D.L. Hall was up to 100 miles an hour the other day. We saw him up to 100 in spring training, you know, with a really good curveball. And the knock on DLs has never been the stuff. It's been, can he command the zone enough, right? Can mm-hmm. he throw enough strikes? Can he be within the zone? The one good thing that he does have, at the big league level, we're starting to see stuff outplay, maybe command so much. And so right. it's a fine line you walk. But DL Hall has the kind of stuff where he don't have to be real fine, I don't think, even at the big league level. Now, I know he's walked a lot of guys in his career, but if you go back and look so far this year and a little bit toward – you know, he was hurt a lot last year, but it felt like he said he started to turn the corner last year. And having some time off really let him dial into his mechanics a little bit more. And he feels like he's a much different pitcher. And so far this year, that has shown. So, yeah, and look, for me, Grayson Rodriguez has always thrown strikes. Like, he's always been able to command his own with mm-hmm. elite stuff. So, this is what stuff looks like in the AL East. When you talk about Kyle Bradish, you talk about D.L. Hall, you talk about Grayson Rodriguez. This is what big league stuff looks like. At the, in rotations at the big league level. And so I'm excited about it. I know everybody else is excited about it. I, you know, D.L. Hall didn't pitch a whole lot last year. We wonder what his role is going to be when he does get to Baltimore. Will he be a rotation piece or will he be a guy you stick in the bullpen and maybe you can get a couple of innings out of him every fifth day or something like that just to keep the pitch count down? Because we know he's not going to throw a ton of pitches or a ton of innings this year, but he will make his way to the big leagues at some point in time this year. And, boy, wouldn't – a grand time that would be in August and September if we had, you know, Tyler Wells running out there with Zimmerman maybe and Bradish and Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall. You'd get a real glimpse of what the future is going to be for the Orioles. Oh, man, it's going to be incredible. I'm glad you mentioned Tyler Wells because that was the guy I wanted to segue next. And, you know, this is a guy who the Orioles took as a Rule 5 draft player. He was a starter his entire professional career. They put him in the bullpen last year out of necessity, really, because he's a Rule 5 guy. 
Now this year, surprise, surprise, this guy's going to be in our starting rotation. Now two starts ago, uh, Hyde went up to him and he was like, hey, look, we need to get length out of you. He gets five innings out of him. The plan, his last start was to go three, maybe four innings. And then all he does is retire the first six hitters on 13 pitches and gives Hyde no choice but to send him out there again and again and again. He goes five innings. The last two starts have been really Really good for Tyler Wells. What is his ceiling, and is the expectation that he's going to piggyback all season, or is he at some point going to get an opportunity to really get deep into some ball games? Well, let, let's back up a little bit with him. Let's remember, you know, in nineteen and twenty, you know, he didn't even pitch because right. of Tommy John surgery. So now he gets put in the bullpen, as you mentioned, as a Rule Five last year, and had a phenomenal year. I mean, look, he threw fifty-seven innings last year and struck out sixty-five and only walked mm-hmm. twelve. So he showed me then. It was a really good command with some power stuff. And now he transitions back into a rotation role, which is where he spent his minor league career. So it's not new for him by any means. Now, having said that, you don't throw for two years. You throw 57 innings last year. They're going to monitor his innings as well. And I think that's all you can hope for every game. That's all that Tyler Wells is going to be allowed to give you this year because in the back of my mind, it just feels like they hope he makes 30 starts and he averages about four start, four innings to start, maybe five. So that's going to put him somewhere in that 120 range as far as any pitch this year. I think that's all they want him to throw. Although I think he has the body type and the stuff to give you more than that from time to time. I just think that's where he's going to be limited, you know. And, again, it's four real pitches for him when I see him go. You know, the fastball, he's got an elite command of it. And, look, let's not forget, he's going three starts down and hadn't walked a batter. Like, yeah. no no walks against Oakland, New York, or the Twins now. So, he's starting to show you that command. And after his second start this year, I was talking to him. He said, man, there's a couple of things i got to get better at. He said, i got to quit walking, guys. I don't like to do that. And he said, i got to start putting guys away sooner so my pitch count doesn't get up as high as it, as it was my last start. He, he's done those two things his last two or three times out. So, I think he's got a big ceiling. I really do. 6'8", working it downhill, 255 pounds. Still just 27 years old, and it's an arm that doesn't have a lot of mileage on it, guys. Yeah. It doesn't have much mileage on it at all. And so I could see him being a big piece. But having said that, Tyler Wells is going to flourish. I don't care if you put him at the back end of a bullpen, which I think he'd be great, or in a rotation as the future as we go forward here. He's going to be a big part of this Orioles pitching staff one way or the other. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Ben, it is – I've been an Orioles fan my, my whole life. I've been watching them since as my, my earliest memories. And I don't ever remember really having five guys for, for rotation that you can be legitimately excited about. And, and with guys like Bradish and Grayson and D.L. Hall, Bruce Zimmerman, Tyler Wells, and that's before you start naming the guys who are at the lower levels of the minor leagues, you can really get excited about where the pitching is going to go. Now, what you have to match with that, is the hitting. And you talked a little bit at the beginning of this segment that the hitting uh, is finally starting to come around. Seven homers, uh, 14 runs the last two ball games for them. And at the forefront of that is Austin Hayes. And Austin Hayes is... He's looking like that player that we saw who was the first guy from 2016 draft to make his big league debut. He was a a finalist for uh, minor league player of the year in the across all the minor leagues in 2017 with that big season. The power, the defense, the dugout and locker room presence. Is Hayes taking that next step to become a team leader on this ball club? No, I think so. You know, and, you know, we've heard so much about the building. You mentioned that year he had the minor leagues, which is as good as anybody's that year, you know, and kind of been up and down injuries, you know, in his career the last two or three years. But we saw him start to put it all together last year. I thought he had a pretty solid year. And I love the way he finished the month of September last year. And I remember Brandon Hyde came out and said, you know what, if Austin, this is about the middle part of the year last year, he said, if Austin Hayes 
wants to be an everyday player at the big league level. He's got to show us that he can hit right-handed pitching, right? That was all. He always wore out left-handers. He hit left-handers last year over 300, but only 220-something against right-handers. Well, in the month of September last year, he really upped his game. He had his biggest month ever. He started hitting right-handers a little bit. That's carried over to this year. Now, guys, go back and look. He's hitting over 300 now against right-handed pitching, and he's staying on some breaking balls, too which has always been a little bit of Achilles' heel for him, too. So he's taking the next step. You never, you know, you never ever question the defense. And with the new Oriole Park we have now, with the new dimensions in left field, it's a big benefit for the Orioles because we have two center fielders roaming around, you know, out in left field and center field. Now both these guys can really go get it in Mullins and Hayes. And so from a defensive standpoint, he showed you how about the throw he made the oh other night. Gosh. I mean, you won't see a better throw than that in all of big league baseball, just comes up and throws a rocket to Torinos at home plate, and Max Kepler is out. And so he's a difference maker to me right now on both sides of the ball. I think for me, and I said this last year, Austin Hayes just has to stay healthy, run him out there for 500 at-bats, and I think the, the, the numbers will be there at the end of the season. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. I actually, my bold prediction for the Orioles before the year was that Hayes was going to hit 30 homers, and I think that uh, the power's there for him to do that. And then one more player I uh, I want to ask you about is Jorge Mateo. He's been extremely uh, exciting. You hear names of Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg, Joey Ortiz. Does he have a chance to, in, in, he and uh, Jorge Mateo, does he have a chance to throw a wrench in those spokes and make himself a part of this team in the future? I think so. You know, I, I think he's a guy that you got to look at, and again, Go back to last year, you only got like 100 at-bats or something. He didn't get the – but we saw him in the sample size, and it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. You cannot deny the athletic ability that he gives you, right? I mean, it is unbelievable range left and right, and we saw him go into left center field a couple of times, make some outstanding plays on some fly balls. Elite speed. He can steal some bases. We know that. He's got seven stolen bases. I like his arm. I like his hand. And so I think so. I think he's a guy that you want to see. And if you're Mike Elias, you want to see if this guy really fits into your future. And the only way you can do that is you got to run him out there. And you got to give him 450 at-bats. you got to let him play every day to see if he's one of those guys. He's still young. He was thought of a lot uh, in the minor league system to the top prospect where he came from. So I think so. Now, Gunnar Henderson's is coming, you know, and Westberg is coming, and the boys are coming. But, look. You always would like to have more than what you actually need, and we know what's going to happen. I mean, Mike Elias, when he was at Houston, I mean, trades were a big part. That's how they got to the Astros. With it, there's going to be a group of guys I think that are packaged at some point in time. I don't know if it happens this year. It's going to go get another starting pitcher, I think, because you can't have enough starting pitchers. I mean, you right. look around the league, and everybody has seven or eight of them, you know. And so I think that's eventually going to happen. This draft is, to me, is going to be a huge draft for the Orioles because it's not a pitcher-heavy draft. But they got a lot of picks, what, five or six picks in the first 60 or 65 picks. It's going to be a big draft for the Orioles coming up, and they continue to stockpile talent in the minor leagues. I love Michael Elias. I love what he has done. He has turned around our minor league system, and now we have the number one minor league system out there. And so you can finally see the light, guys, the light after. And, look, I'm a fan like you guys are, right? I mean, right. it's been tough to sit there and call ball games, and the Orioles have lost over 100 games. It's tough to sit up there and watch sometimes, I'll be honest with you. But – I can see the light at the end of the tunnel now. Uh, uh, Adley Rutschman is going to be here shortly. Uh, that's going to be a big boost, you know. We're starting to see a little bit with the other pitchers that are coming in. Kyle Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez is going to make it. It's fun. It's a fun time. This is an exciting team that I think is performing very well right now. Give credit to Brandon Hyde because this is a tough bunch, and he's running them out there every day. And these guys are hungry. There's a lot of hungry guys that realize this is their last opportunity in pro ball. 
and I've got to make the best of the Joey Crables of the world that are out there, the Bautistas of the world that are out there, CNL Perez. Those guys are performing really well right now. Yeah, the whole team has been exciting to watch. And uh, for those of you just joining us, he is Ben McDonald, former Orioles pitcher and current broadcaster extraordinaire for them. Ben, you've gone a couple minutes longer than we were supposed to go. If you can indulge us for just another minute or two, uh, we have a game that we play with our guests here on the bat around during the season, and we call it Take to Rake. And basically, uh, the rules of this game are we each, you, uh, Zach, and I each pick one player that we think is going to have the best offensive week. Are you game to play with us this week? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to hop in on that. All right, so uh, just going back to last week, this was the closest take to rake has ever been. I took Austin Hayes. He went 6-for-23 with a home run, three RBIs, and a 671 OPS. Zach took Ryan Mountcastle, 6-for-23, two home runs, a double, four RBIs, 857 OPS. Ryan Blake uh, took Ned Odor, 6-for-24, with a home run, a double, a triple, two RBIs, and a 750 OPS. Very, very close, but Zach won. Now, normally, Ben, Zach... That's two weeks in a row right there. Zach Zach and I are both... uh, We are now through five weeks of the season. Zach and I are both two, two, and one uh, in take to rake because we tied for opening day. Um, Now, Ben, normally Zach would get the first pick because he won last week, but since you're the guest, not just a guest, but a first-time guest on the batter round... We're going to cede the first pick to you, so we're going to let you... T- the only rule, you can't take Roof Neto Door because Ryan, our guest last week, took him. <laughs> All right. All right. Wow. Oh, man, there's a lot of guys that are starting to swing it pretty well in the Orioles right now, but none of y'all took Cedric Mullins. No. And I feel like Ced had obviously had a really good series against Minnesota, but I've been watching him closer, and I think he's getting back to the 30-30 guy that we saw last year. I thought... He's starting to use the backside of the field a little bit more like he did last year. I think he's starting to lay off some tough pitches. And so while his week was pretty good last week, a couple of home runs, he's home running back-to-back games now, I'm going with Cedric Mullins because I feel like it's about time for him to make one of those big runs that he gets home from time to time. Ben, that's a great pick. I was saying the other day that I think Cedric Mullins is back. He's driving the ball with authority and seems like he's getting two hits every game now, and one of them's for extra bases. A little tidbit here, Zach picked Cedric Mullins like 15 times last year <laughs> and, yeah. and, and got <laughs> and got like nine wins mm-hmm. with, with Cedric. I was say, how could you not? I mean, he had a pretty right. good year last year, you uh, know, uh, and no, so no, he, he, good he, to see Ced get going, man. Look, he's... You know, your second full year in a big league, you some adjustments to do, and they've worked him inside really hard, and he kind of got off his game getting out in front of the balls a little bit more. But I start to see him use the backside a little bit sure. more back out toward left center field. So I like where Stead is right now. Yeah, no, he, he, he's he's starting to heat up. All right, Zach, who's your take? He's hitting three thirteen over his last eight games. We just looked at his baseball savant page earlier in the show, and the guy's pretty close to maxed out in a lot of the, the offensive categories percentile-wise. Trey Mancini is my pick for this week. Uh, Trey Mancini has been hitting the ball hard, hitting into some rough luck. And look, I, I think, you know, even though the home run power might not be there for Mancini, I'm, I expect a lot of uh, a lot of gappers this week, some doubles from Trey. So Trey's my go. guy. Yeah, uh, a, a guy who uh, you won with last week um, because he had a great end to the week, and I think he's starting to heat up along with the weather. I'm taking Ryan Mountcastle. I think that guy's going to hit three home runs this week. I'm, I'm, I'm taking him for take to rake. Ben, 
Bye. Such such a great segment with you. We hope to get you on here again and talk to you a little bit further down the road. Have a great rest of the season. We'll talk to you again before then. But thank you so much for taking some time for us today. My pleasure, guys. Enjoyed it. And go O's, man. Yes, sir. Go O's indeed. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great one. That was Ben McDonald joining us here on the on the bat around. Um, that was that was an excellent segment. That's top tier with, right there. With, with, top with tier. Ben McDonald and, and, and we mentioned it. We mentioned it uh, earlier in the show. That's the biggest guest we've had on this show. Yeah, him and, and, him, him and Ken Singleton are probably the two yeah, uh, the two and, tops and, for us. And it's not for lack of trying. Yeah. But but Ben gracious enough to come on the show and a, a good sport play and take Drake with us and I think that he might be the first guest win of yeah, of Cedric is because Cedric is tearing the cover. Nobody took Austin Hayes though, and Austin Hayes is getting hot. I was thinking about it, but then again, I I think I picked Hayes a few times already this year. Wait, it's not so. that, it's not that he's getting hot. It's that he's been hot. He's been hot for sure. three weeks. Sure. Yeah. I took him two weeks ago. You took him last week. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I took him three weeks ago. I took him two weeks ago. And then you took him two weeks ago. And then I took him again. He's been taking three weeks in a row. And right. he's. Uh, this was the closest take to rake in the history mm-hmm. of, of the show. All the guys hits were six for twenty three or six yeah. for twenty four with a homer, extra base hits, RBIs, but. Hayes had the 671 OPS and yeah. Mountcastle the 857. Yeah. Uh, and Roof Neto Door did not walk all week. So <laughs> Ryan Mountcastle yeah. won it. So we are tied 2 2 and 1 Love atop it. the leaderboard. I still have the leg up because I won each of the last two seasons. So Zach's got some work to do here. O- okay. Okay. Um, Fair, that, Zach's I got guess. some got some work to do here, but for sure that was an oh my gosh, such a fun segment with Ben McDonald. Uh, another fun thing for you guys is Glenn Clark Radio and Press Box's Glenn Clark Radio is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. You can watch the show every weekday from 10 a.m. to noon at YouTube.com/slash Press Box Online or Facebook.com/slash Press Box Sports or you can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR this week. The guys caught up with new Ravens punter Jordan Stout, NBC's Peter King. We own this city star Josh Charles and former Maryland coach Randy Edsel, who coached Travis Jones at UConn and also plays golf six days a week. Jealous. Said he would play seven if his club wasn't closed on Mondays. <laughs> uh, find those interviews and more in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature right now at pressboxonline.com we got to get our final break when we come back our final thoughts on the battle round sports fans the wait is over the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover Maryland this is your chance to win big right in your own backyard bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover please play responsibly gambling problem please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MD gamblinghelp.org that first sip that first bite start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms 
answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore Police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Let's have you. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. PressBox is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com sports betting has come to maryland and we're ready to help you win some money tune in for simply the bets with glenn clark and paul valley every tuesday morning at 11 40 fandal sportsbook gm bruce billick and vsin's aaron oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners so come win some money with us on simply the bets every tuesday at 11 40 a.m brought to you by the fanduel sportsbook at live casino and hotel maryland listen at pressboxonline.com radio watch at youtube.com pressboxonline the toyota Tacoma. Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. All right, gotta let that Glenn that 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 bat around music, bat around uh, music. A, a play for a little bit. Yeah. Somehow we just can't not mention it. But um, well, hey, look, it's a tradition. Really fun show today, man. Eric Garfield was fantastic. Stan was always good is. as always. And then Ben freaking McDonald, man. I, I I could legitimately sit down with Ben McDonald for three hours yeah. over a couple of beers and just talk baseball. With I him. we need to set up a little uh, a little lunch with Ben McDonald, I think. I, I, yeah, good good, <laughs> good luck. Good my luck. Man. Yeah, I know. Good, good luck. But uh would the would the Orioles permit that? Do we have to get permission? I from, have no idea. But uh no, just just awesome to talk some baseball with Ben, which is honestly it's like a a a bucket list thing for me talking baseball with Ben McDonald. So that was that was awesome. Um final thoughts. You won last week. Um We'll do that in a second. We'll do that. Okay. We'll, we'll do that a little in just a few minutes. But you won last week, so your final thought for the week. <sighs> um, 
I'm going to keep going on the Jorge Mateo tangent. I want to keep talking about Mateo because I just want to finish this up by saying, and it, it's, it's probably part of a, a broader point here, that when you give guys opportunity to play, and when you give them everyday playing time, you can really take a guy from what he was to something completely different. I think playing time can really help a guy. And I think you, you see this with some of the guys in the Orioles organization right now, specifically one of them, Ryan McKenna, a guy that really hasn't gotten a lot of consistent playing time. And maybe with more consistent playing time, he would play better than he has. Um, and I think that's going to be the, the theme for a lot of these guys as they're coming up, just getting that consistent playing time and making you know a guy play six or seven times a week is much more important than having a guy play two times a week. And it really changes the outlook for a lot of these prospects. It gives them more confidence. It gives them the ability to, to really sink into the game a little bit better. And not keeping them on your bench um, is, is just, I, I think, very beneficial for everyone involved. So I think you know giving guys consistent playing time and, and even making more of these waiver claims and trying guys out and giving them consistent and playing time is something I think the Orioles could really benefit from. Logan Allen, obviously, coming over from the Guardians, is someone the Orioles should, should definitely try to give some innings. And, and Number, just, and number just 74 overall yeah. prospect in 2019. Oh, yeah. Logan so. Allen was an impact lefty in the minor leagues. Um, and one of the guys in the Guardians have extremely good pitching development. And another guy that's coming from there, they're similar to the Rays, where a lot of their pitchers um, move on to other places and turn out to be really good pitchers. And obviously, they have guys in their organization right now, like Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie, who are really good pitchers. So, Guys getting consistent playing time is kind of the overall theme here for me, and just giving guys opportunities and chances to show that they're not what they were on another team. My final thought is, let's go back to our first show, okay. the day after they announced that baseball was back. They agreed to a new CBA, and how okay. excited I was, and how yeah. energetic and enthusiastic I was. And then go to a week later, and how irritated I was that this team isn't signing any other starting pitchers. And then they're on the cusp of trading Cole Sulcer and Tanner mm -hmm. Scott. And uh, you go back to that and where I was, how I was feeling about this team. And it, it, it's it's early, it's early. They're they're and guys, they're ten and sixteen. Twenty six games. Yeah. All right. They're they're, they're, they're they're in fourth place. They're not even through a quarter of the season yet. But I look at this team and I look at what they have, and what they're doing, and the energy that they play with. And yeah. then I look at what's coming. Mm -hmm. And look. We'll see Grayson Rodriguez get knocked around. We saw Kyle Bradish get knocked around. We'll see D.L. Hall get knocked around. We'll see Adley Rutschman struggle at times. But what this team has coming and the way that they're playing right now, and the way that Brandon Hyde has them playing, this is the most excited I've been for the Orioles in about five years. Mm -hmm. right, around this, right around this time in 2017, I remember it was May 10th. I was at the Metallica concert, and the Orioles had just had a comeback victory against the Nationals, and they won a game. I think it was seven to six in extra innings, and they were 22 and 10. Mm -hmm. They had the best record in baseball, and I remember taking a step back and being like, "This is awesome." Mm -hmm. And I was looking at my life, and I had I had a beautiful girlfriend at the time, and now now I have an even more beautiful and incredible wife, um, who is not the same person. But I had a beautiful girlfriend at the time. I had a good job. I'm standing there at a freaking Metallica concert that I got VIP passes for for free, and I have the team that I root for is the best team in baseball, and then it all fell apart, right for the for the Orioles and that, for Paul Valley. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just no, kidding. I, just my, kidding. My, just my kidding. life's gotten it, it gotten. Uh, exponentially better since then. And I, I, I look at how I felt about the team then, and that was the last time that I was like, let's go. 
Mm-hmm. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Until now. Okay. And, I see, and I see what this team is doing, and I see the way they're pitching and knowing that they have even better pitching that's coming. Yeah. And how can you not be excited about this team? And then you, you hear from Steve Molesky and from Stan the Fan Charles and from Ben McDonald and from Peter Schmuck, who's now writing for BaltimoreBaseball.com with our good friend Rich Dubroff, how, like, how this is the time, how you can see the light at the end of the tunnel better than ever now, and how, how, how exciting this team is, and this is the time to jump on that Orioles bandwagon. And how can you not be enthused? And you have to be. The, the, these are people that are close to the team than you and I have ever been and probably ever will be. Uh, how can you not be excited about this team? And they're doing this all without John Means, and all before Rutschman even gets here. Look, I'm 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 not going all in on the 2022 Baltimore Orioles. They're going to have some bumps in the road, and they're going to finish below 500. Mm-hmm. But I don't view this team as a hundred loss team anymore. Mm-hmm. I view this team as a team that could win 70, 75 games this year, and could be could have a, a say in the playoff picture as far as knocking other teams out, not getting to the playoffs themselves. But this yeah. is a team that's not lying down. That's going to be competitive. And for me, what this team is doing, the the product that they're putting on the field, the excitement around the ball club, it's palpable. Yes. And uh, I'm just so enthused about... And, and yeah, I know that they're going to have stretches where they lose five games in a row or they lose eight of 11. You know what I mean? But you, I, I just look at this team and I, I can't help but get excited and think, man, the future is right there. You can almost touch it. And when Rutschman gets here in eight day, in nine days, you're going to feel it even more then. I just I can't wait for that game. I can't wait for the uh, the electric atmosphere. I'm just, uh, I'm not all in on the Orioles going to the playoffs, but I'm all in on the Orioles getting there sooner than we think. Uh, it's just an exciting time to be an Orioles fan. And with that in mind, pay some bills. Sports betting is coming to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday at 11 to 40. Fandle Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VSIN's Aaron Oster joins the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 11:40 a.m. Brought to you by the Fandle Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com/radio. Watch at YouTube.com/PressBoxOnline. And every other Thursday at 11:40, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stetka and Alloy. Sports Brad Kernenthal help you make some money for the weekend. I didn't really give you a chance to respond to my final thought. Did you have any? Oh, I well, I, I think it's kind of in the theme of the show that the Orioles are, are climbing closer, and while they're certainly not going to be a contender this year, playing a, a, a better brand of more respectable baseball is and should be the goal for the Orioles, and yeah. and that's what we're seeing. Yeah, it, it's and it's been it's been lovely mm-hmm. to watch. Now, and, and like I said. There have been games this year, like the eight nothing loss to the Rays, or the ten to six loss to the, to, or ten to ten to five loss to the Yankees uh, a week and a half ago, where mm-hmm. you're just like, oh god. But it happens to every team. To but be yeah, fair. but but and, and look again, ten and sixteen, but they're not in last place. No. And from where we've been to say not last place is and not even really close. They're in seventh uh, as far as the the worst teams when it comes to Major mm-hmm. League Baseball, and not you know forgetting the AL East for a second because that is a very tough division, and they will probably finish last. In the, they will more than likely finish last in the AL East. But as far as the entire MLB as a whole, they are in they are seventh as far as the draft order would go if it would come to obviously. Forgetting the draft lottery, it, that would that would be what it would come to if it, if it was traditional rules. So that's that's positive for the Orioles. That's the the lowest they've been in many years. Yeah, and, and man, you get to watch uh, Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez and DL like like man, I, I just I, I'm so excited. I'm just so excited. Now 
Something we don't usually do until September, October, November is talk about the Ravens. But yep. the Ravens had a pretty damn good draft. They did. Um, thoughts on it? Uh, so, obviously, Kyle Hamilton. I mean, the, a guy that nobody expected to drop to number 14. Probably a guy who should have been picked within the top 10 picks. Um, he's an impact player. He's kind of a Swiss Army knife. Can play a lot of different positions on your defense. Can play some linebacker, can play some corner. I think they're, they're going to have needs for him, especially at linebacker, considering the fact that, you know, Josh Bynes is currently your number one starter, obviously, with Patrick Queen on the other side of him. But they don't have a lot of depth at corner either, so I'm sure he'll fill in there. Chuck Clark and him can kind of move throughout safety a little bit. He'll play everywhere. He's going to be an impactful player for the Ravens, I think. Tyler Linderbaum fills a huge need, obviously, with Bradley Bozeman leaving a free agency to the Panthers. You get a guy who's dependable. He's a bit undersized, but if you look at his highlights, the guy just bullies people. And he's, He's, he's a, definitely a real winner, a guy that can uh, can push up front for you. You look at you know David Ajabo, a guy that you know probably would have gone in the first round had it not been for the torn Achilles, a guy that might play by November, according to Ian Rappaport, and that would be fantastic for the Ravens. Well, if you ask David Ajabo, he thinks he could play earlier. Yeah, he, he said he's already biking, which is yeah. incredible. Coming, I mean, if you know what a torn Achilles is like, that's incredible coming back from that. And look, you know, Jabo is a home run pick if this guy can come back healthy. And the the Ravens have had a lot of success in the, success in the past with developing guys who have had Achilles injuries. Terrell Suggs being and, one and, of them. And there are people who think that he could end up be, having the better career yeah. between he and Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't think there not? was there was any doubt he was going in the top fifteen. If you watch his highlights, he looks like Terrell Suggs to me. The guy just bullies people again, mm-hmm. and the same way Linderbaum does on the other side of the ball. This guy just bullied offensive and linemen he's, he's, at Michigan, and he's only been playing football for five years right right which he, means that once he gets pro coaching right he's only gonna get better and he's following his defensive coordinator mike mcdonald who was at michigan last year now to the ravens so that's a pretty cool they get to be paired up again pretty cool thing you look at the rest of the draft i don't have as much like insight on a lot of these guys but i know travis jones is a solid pick a guy that's going to make an impact monster of a human being. yeah and and what i really liked was uh the the jalen armor davis pick i mm-hmm. think the, the the ravens are so thin at corner that getting a guy like that who reminds me uh, everyone a little bit of Anthony Averett. He's got that athleticism, the plus speed. A guy like that who can you can just develop from the University of Alabama. That's I, I love that pick. Probably my favorite of the whole draft was the Jalen Armand Armand Davis. I pick. think it was Peter King that we were talking about, that we were talking to, who said that Jalen Armour Davis was a top five corner in the entire draft. Yeah, it, Chris Sims had him number three. Oh, uh, it was it was it was it was Chris Sims. Okay, it was yeah, Chris yeah. Sims who we were talking to who said he was a top five corner yes. in, in the draft for me. Definitely ball skills need work, but mm-hmm. the, the pure athleticism is incredible. Uh, for me, and we, we were talking with Coastal Carolina head coach Jamie Chadwell uh, likely, yeah. the, the, the other day. Isaiah Likely, he said the guy's dynamic mm-hmm. when he gets the ball in, when he gets the ball in his hands. There was a reference to Debo. Glenn made it, but there was a reference to, reference to Debo Samuel. Look, the Ravens, obviously they're hurting at wide receiver. We're sure. hearing from people like Josina Anderson that they're doing their due diligence in the free agent market uh, and maybe working on trades, but that's less likely sure. to get a, a veteran wide receiver in here. But if the Ravens' bread and butter is running the ball and mm-hmm. running three tight end sets. And if one of your tight ends is Isaiah Likely to go along with Mark Andrews, you're looking at, you hate to mention the guy's name, but you're looking at a potentially a Rob Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez thing um, from 10 years ago mm-hmm. uh, in New England. And if they can get another dynamic pass catching tight end in here that, that, yeah. that can take the, the they can, who's faster and can really take the cover off the defense, right. uh, off the linebackers and, and the safeties. That's a dude that I'm I'm excited to see play, and I didn't know much about him until talking to Jamie Chadwell, and he got me super excited yeah. about him. So I, I'm I'm overall excited. There, were, I saw some people saying that that um that Kyle Kyle Hamilton checks every box except being athletic, which I think is 
Rude. False. Um, <laughs> also, he, he's not the fastest guy in the world, right. and and most safeties aren't. You look across but the league at some of the more successful guys; they aren't burners. He he ran a four five nine forty yeah. at the combine. Edry ran a four five seven. How how'd that work out for him? Right. You know what I mean. And, exactly. and, pe- and people said we we had Mike Golick Jr. on the show, and he was saying, um, "When's the last time that a pro was asked about his forty time?" Right. Who right. Cares? They, they they care for one day. Game speed is so much more important. Right. And Kyle right. Hamilton, he's not the fastest guy in the world. And if you watch the tape, he doesn't show up as that. He doesn't. But he plays fast. He doesn't run the fastest out of anyone. He doesn't have the Anthony Averett type of speed or Jalen Armour Davis or a guy like that. But he is. He's quick to the ball, and the guy's a center fielder, and he knows how to follow the quarterback's eyes and get to the ball quickly, and that's what's important. Um, he's not going to, again, he's not going to run you a 4 three forty. It's not going to happen, but the guy is, a, he's, he's a good athlete. Saying he's not a good athlete is entirely false. Yeah, no, I, I, I 100% agree. Uh, the David Ajabo pick, I kind of predicted that. I, I had told people what I thought was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I didn't think the Ravens wanted to spend their only second-round pick on a guy who might not play. Um but what I thought was going to happen is they were going to trade from their extra third and fourth round picks to get a second second round pick, and they were going to take a Jabo that way. Yeah. Um, they ended up just taking him with their only second round pick. And I think that they also take him because, look, the Ravens are, are a very well-run franchise. Oh, yeah. The guy's 22 years old. I, you're not even 22. I remember being 22 and how quickly my body recovered from everything. Not, oh, yeah. the, not the case at 37. But at 22 years old, your body recovers sure. damn quickly. I'm basically and, there. <laughs> and I, I, you just turned 21, Just right? turned 21. When was your birthday? May 4th, this week. Wednesday. I did not reach out to you to wish you a happy birthday. because I don't. All think, good. You're, you're not on Facebook. I, I no, I'm not. It. So, happy, bur- happy belated Thank birthday. Thank you. I'm glad you can get some beers with me at the Orioles game. <laughs> there we go, yeah. Uh, next I will Monday. be drinking a few myself. But, um... But yeah, the Ravens probably know that he's going to play at some point. I was going to say they have to have some insight from you know I'm sure their own doctors, but also doctors that have worked with Ojabo in the past. And Mike McDonald, I'm sure, was probably pretty pretty clued in on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Just being probably he probably still knows him and talks to him all the time. I'm sure. So I think Mike McDonald had a heavy hand in making and, this and, pick. And the cool thing, he and Adafi Owe are best friends. That, yeah, that's awesome. They, that's they awesome. are they are best friends. And if you have those guys on either side coming at the that, how cool is that? Have fun, and, quarterbacks. And and when they're both fully healthy, because Ojabo Ojabo yeah. Oway had offseason shoulder surgery. Yep. When they're both fully healthy, you know that they're going to be in competition with each other. It's going to be awesome. That that, yeah. that it's going to be. Oh, you got a sack? Watch this. Right. And, and I think you're going to see double digit sacks in, yeah. in multiple seasons from both. It's super exciting, man. It it's, is. it's super it is. exciting. You know, the Ravens you're getting better through the draft and still other moves to come as one guy, as uh Dan Wilcox said, you know the Ravens aren't done yet. Right. Uh and then the Orioles the way they're playing right now and uh, again, not going to be a 500 team this year but getting better in the future. The 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 light at the end of that tunnel is getting ever and ever closer. Yep. It's an exciting time to it be a, to be a Baltimore sports fan, and I, I, I for one can't wait to see what the future holds for these teams. And then you throw in the turps with Kevin Willard and the football team getting better. It's an exciting time to be a Maryland sports fan for sure, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to our sponsors. Even more special thanks to our guest today, Stan the Fan Charles, for his weekly segment. Aaron Garfield for all the intel on uh, the ex- the guys playing down in extended spring training. And special thanks to Ben McDonald for coming on the show and. Making talking baseball even funner than it already is. Uh, Guys, thanks so much to all of you and to all of our listeners who make this show possible. Until next week, see ya!